0: the i have the music from body heat stuck in my head the the doo-doo-doo, 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 doo-doo, <laughs> I,
1: when i was watching doo-doo-doo. body heat my um my um glasses were very dirty so i think that added to the like effect of everything yeah. being steamy and foggy as well <laughs> so it's like
0: yeah Duck. i would yeah for sure I watched it at night in bed um, and like I was like parts of it I watched without glasses and I, I think that added because I was like I was like squinting my eyes I'm like I was like wait a I was like oh this and is like foggy. so foggy
1: it's... and steamy like I get it but like this is like a bit too much and I was like oh wait no that's my fault because I didn't clean my glasses because I'm a
0: yeah yeah
1: you know
0: but they added to the experience true true I'm yeah, also very um, happy
1: that two films today have the legend Kathleen Turner <laughs>
0: that was intentional of my part i like again i watched like i I said i was gonna watch all of these i watched five it's, we still it's, what, have, it's what it is we
1: still have time right because the yeah yeah, yeah. For, like till the end of april
0: right right i wanted to watch this entire collection um before this episode so i have to have like <clears throat> reference points and stuff but well it's what it is i guess we have like i guess i i guess the selection the selection of films that I proposed is like has enough meat on the bone for them to like reference each other and like for for there to be like connections to each other for us to compare and stuff so I'm kind of proud of the selection I made. And I
1: think it's also I mean I'm not as well averse in this particular genre as you are but I do think it sort of presents different points on the spectrum of what erotic thrillers can be from like problematic to very sort of what I expect of erotic thrillers, like, very by-the-book, like, body hit, which is why I think it's sort of seen as the, you know, um, like, a perfect example of the genre in many ways. And you also have Crimes of Passion, uh, Crimes of Passion, which I loved, but, like, I can see why it wasn't loved by the critics at the time of its release. Right,
0: right. So today we're talking about... Um... The genre of the erotic thriller, or something like that, we have dabbled in before. We have watched uh, Bound, mm-hmm. which is on the selection uh, that we are referencing. We have watched, well, not for the pod, but we have watched Basic Instinct, yeah. which is like a, the most commercially successful mainstream one ever, maybe. And
1: I think also Showgirls has elements of erotic thriller.
0: Yeah, yeah, Showgirls. Um, I guess in a way it's not because really, it's completely like on the margins of mainstream Hollywood, but I mean, like variety has elements of it a as bit,
1: well. and I think also Doom Generation. I mean, again, I wouldn't call it a neurotic thriller, but it has elements that I think are taking from this particular genre.
0: I get. Oh, did you hear the news about Doom Generation? No, because like in, now in New York. Um, they've been playing like the restoration the the yeah the the director's cut never before seen director's cut in 4k in uh, theaters in new york bring
1: it to europe bring it to europe
0: gregoraki has been like presenting a bunch of them and like i've been getting like just ridiculous amounts of fomo um, because I want to be there and like James Duvall has been there some of the cast has been there to present it but like talking about the film and it's like I feel vindicated because this is like a movie that's like in vogue in New York City right now in New York City theaters mm-hmm. and I'm just like I I knew it I've I knew, been known as soon as I watched it I I, I mean it's been a, a cult movie for decades mm-hmm. obviously but like when I saw it, it's like this movie has just so much potential for it to be like reappraised and like find a whole new audience of um viewers that will take so much from it right now even more so than the 90s and i'm just like vindicated that this movie is like getting so much love and so much new material has been coming out about it like essays and like new Mm -hmm. um like pieces on it and like hopefully like uh, in, uh, yeah blue blu-ray i think Criterion. if i'm not mistaken, criterion is editing it yes yeah, yeah it's great but yeah i digress hey. speaking of criterion mm-hmm. well bringing this back like speaking of criterion um yeah uh Relic thrillers and when i saw this wasn't in the plans but when i saw that criterion channel the streaming service mm-hmm. uh was uh putting out this um program the selection of movies on their platform of erotic thrillers with just a a carefully like curated selection with some like materials um like a a description and some essays on their website explaining what it is and have this this trailer before you go to the section you see the teaser and you see all the movies in chronological order and it's like this it just um, gave me the idea of like this is kind of like the perfect excuse for me to be to become well-versed in the genre that i've been interested in knowing more about um and that's not really in vogue right now in movies that are being made right now so it'd just be like a cool excuse to become well-versed so i propose that i would watch myself all of these but also like why not talk about them here some of them because it's like a genre that kind of goes along well with a lot of stuff that we've watched as well
1: yeah and i also think like one of the reasons why i thought it would be also be an interesting episode because what we have planned next is two films that i feel like we'll not enjoy Sorry.
0: Wait, what are they?
1: Uh, it's the the Warpoot films, the Perfect Addiction and Beautiful oh, Disaster. Fuck.
0: <laughs> I, well, speaking of that, I did not go to the Cole Sprouse presented.
2: Screening
0: that in, Dylan. In, in Dylan. The Dylan. 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 <laughs> the Dylan Sprouse presented screening here in Colombo. Uh, for those in, not, in, no, it's, it's a shopping mall, which is hilarious. Like, it's not not a prestigious place for you to present your movie, but I guess that just goes along well with the type of film that you're exactly. presenting. But yeah, it premiered in theaters recently here and uh, they got Dylan Sprouse to present it. Um It's really funny. Um but, At the premiere, obviously. But like, yeah, we're, yeah.
1: The reason why I find it interesting is because I feel like the 80s and the 90s were like very sexy in mainstream cinema. Like whether it was like mm-hmm. actually appreciated critically or not is a different debate, but there was like... There feels to me at least that there was like a lot of, not even just sex, but there was a lot of eroticism in films. Like you had erotic thrillers, but also you had a, um, in general, I think you had a lot of more interest in building erotic tension in other films and all, right. just like if it, it felt it's at least when I watch it, like, more more often than not, they feel very erotic. And like you said, there was like this whole genre which was sort of. In its prime, I would say, in the 80s and early 90s, right? Uh, yeah. And then it sort of... I feel like in many ways, sex sort of disappeared from mainstream cinema for, for a second. <laughs> it became very prudish. And now, because of the... Sorry, just to finish my friend, Because of the success of Fifty Shades of Grey, but also of this like, market of... Uh, usually, mostly young women who read what what fan fiction, but also... Um, like very problematic erotica most of the time like because of that they are making they are adapting now these fan fiction and films in uh this adaption <laughs> they're adapting now these fan fiction and books into films and it's like it's a whole new genre but like this eroticism doesn't feel very erotic it's it feels very plasticky it feels a lot more like porn rather than Uh, Not necessarily in terms of how explicit it is, but sort of how it choose to deal with sex and how it choose to sort of build a sexual relationship of characters within that story. So it's interesting to me that on some level we have like this comeback of eroticism. Wait, no, we have a comeback of sex, but we don't have a comeback of eroticism, I would say.
0: Yeah, and and like even um, certain, yeah, like sex and eroticism sort of disappeared from mainstream American movies and it's like the place for it became like HBO mm-hmm. I guess but even that the stuff from HBO I've seen it's like it is like very explicit way more than any other stuff on TV and a lot of movies but it's not necessarily like the the purpose of it the focus of it is not on the eroticism oh,
1: yeah. I, I feel like especially with HBO shows like there is usually a lot of nudity and sex there it's a lot more akin to sort of how sex is used in showgirls, rather than sort of exploring eroticism. Like it, it's more about sort of the space of a sexual act is used for something else to present about the character, rather than sort of focusing on the sexual tension itself. Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. every single show, I'm not saying every sh- single episode, but like that is a trend that I've noticed.
0: Yeah, and and like when it comes to these movies, that the perp like the. A lot of people nowadays, like, say, like, oh, but, you know, in certain, so many shows and movies, like, sex scenes don't add to the story. Like, well, what do you mean? Like, this is an entire genre of movies where the story, the plot, the themes are sex, are eroticism. It's like, it's the entire plot. It's the entire sort of thesis of the thing
1: is around that. Exactly. And also with these three films, all the most important sort of like climax moments in the story happen when the characters are climaxing. Like it's it's the, the story yeah. is built around the sex scenes and, and it's and, built around also sexual tension.
0: And basic instinct, like it's not a movie that we've seen like for this episode, but like basic instinct, the literally the high point of the movie, like the the ending itself is a sex scene. Yeah. It is where the movie like reaches its like apex and where all the dramatic tension culminates so yeah
1: and also i think one of the like things that i really appreciate appreciate about these films that i think are missing from mainstream american cinema today is that you know with these characters like they are played by attractive Actors like you know, maybe not Michael Caine. Sorry, sorry to you, sir, but you're not the most <laughs> good looking man. Talented actor. I wouldn't say he's very pretty, which is funny that he played the original Alfie because, like, the whole concept of Alfie is that he's like very charming, charming charismatic, and attractive. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um,
0: oh, wait, Alfie? What's oh, yeah, Alfie?
1: because there's this like British film Alfie from the 60s, I think, that like was one of the first films michael kane surf starred in and then years later there was a remake with jude law and there is very compelling arguments to be made that this is jude law at his most attractive in his entire career i
0: don't i don't know these movies okay let me just i'm looking at a picture of jude law here and i like comparing to yeah, Michael. Yeah, it's not exactly like. A, I mean, yeah. I wouldn't
1: call Michael Kane necessarily unattractive, but he's not.
0: Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean.
1: You know what I mean, right? But also,
0: anyway... this is like the least attractive I've ever seen Jude Law. I'm sorry, it's true. Like, I mean, he's I, a very I'm... attractive guy, but like, I not here. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying this is my argument. I personally have a different film to choose as his most attractive self, which is The Holiday. I mean, he's wearing a sweater and glasses in the holiday. This is peak Jude Law. But there are people who will claim that Alfie is the most attractive Jude Law has been in films.
0: So, I kind of like old man Jude Law. Like, him now.
1: I mean, him now is also nice. Yeah. I mean, anyway. Uh, what I was trying to say <laughs> has nothing to do with Jude Law. But what I really appreciate about this film, these films is that, you know, even though they cast it generally good-looking people. They don't er just like, you know, oh yeah, you have good-looking people here, obviously they're attracted to each other. The end of the story, they actually sort of pay attention to build chemistry between the characters and actually build tension, sexual tension between the characters. Even if it's like with Dress to Kill, like I'm thinking about the museum chase scene, even like if it's not supposed to, you know, lead anywhere romantic, you do as a viewer, as you watch it, you get the sense of attraction. You get the sense of desire. You actually understand why these characters want to have sex with each other. Whereas in so many of current mainstream American production, but I think, you know, outside of America is guilty of it as well. Oh, yeah, you have two pretty people. Of course, they're into each other. What do you mean? You know what I mean? There's like no... It, it's really rare in sort of productions that I watch nowadays that I actually believe two characters are into each other. You know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's true. No, I agree 100%. And it's like, it's so strange that like the most, that actors nowadays are so much more pressured. Male actors are so much more pressured to become like bodybuilders.
1: Oh yeah, that is what, I mean, one of the things that I loved about this film, uh, uh, these films so much as well, is that like both Male and female characters were attractive, but they were like normal people level of attractiveness, where as opposed to like some like manufactured plasticky thing that you get now. Action
0: figures.
1: Action figures, exactly. I mean, we we, so what we consider attractive nowadays is very plastic. Like, for men, it's like these bodybuilders, and for women, it's just like you know. It's gonna sound crass, but it's still Barbie, you know, like, the bodies that we are told in films today that are attractive are not human bodies.
0: (laughs) And I actually, like, as a counterpoint, I'm not sure we're even told that these bodies are attractive. Because, like, I don't think the point of the movies that these actors star in is to be attractive. I think in specific cases of male actors, it's kind of just to sell action figures true like Like, marvel movies don't tell us that chris hemsworth and chris evans are attractive there's not the point we just like infer yeah these guys are attractive but like where's the the the, the," like it's it's so strange to me that like like as you you will not find you you'll rarely find a guy that is so Hollywood traditionally attractive, as Chris Hemsworth, but none of Chris, almost none of Chris Hemsworth's roles are, like, around based around his body and his sexiness and appeal.
1: I think Chris Hemsworth should do erotic thrillers. I I feel like he would be perfect in like. A...
0: Right. Right.
1: Yeah. No sort tangent but i think like for the longest time i didn't understand why so many people thought chris evans was so attractive and then i saw him in knives out and that white jumper and i was like ah i get it now i'm also starting to believe i have a fetish for men in jumpers like it's just
0: like it up but but yeah like again it, you're not not even with chris evans it's like here's a guy who has potential to be vaguely sort of a? Again, none of these actors are being cast in roles because they're very well-known mainstream actors, and mainstream America is not interested in do- doing movies like these. But like none of these roles are being none of these actors are being given roles where they p- are, are asked to play into that
1: true I mean in a way sort of attractiveness just became the standard and sort of it's not even utilized as something that you can use in storytelling right one of the things that I really like again about these films is that like appearance of these actors and actresses was used in the storytelling and I was like I like that like I, one of the things that for example I really didn't like I mean, didn't like but I still watch them like CW shows I don't know I mean you've watched Riverdale, right, So you know more or less what I'm talking about. Like
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's so
1: <laughs> There like those are not normal looking high schoolers. Those are not normal looking people. Like you have whole communities of actors and everybody is super attractive, which is fine. Like if that's a fantasy, fine, whatever. But like what's worrying is that like we've got to a point that sort of our idea of what a normal human body is became so grotesque. That sort of, it's not even a fantasy, it's a standard now. And sort of that to me is very worrying because how can you, you know, if you're telling a fantasy, fine. Like if you're telling a Marvel film, God knows you don't have to be realistic. But like what's worrying is that like then you have like films that are supposed to be on some level representation of realism and sort of like ordinary people's experience. But you still have this like very plasticky grotesque standard for how human bodies look like. In those films.
0: Right, right. And again, with these CW shows, it's the... It's like, it. they are... They are... Like, like specifically talking about the male characters. Mm. They are so ripped. They are so, like...
1: They are dehydrated. It's not that they're just ripped. Like, whenever there's a shirtless scene, those men don't drink water.
2: Oh, yeah, it's like they. they're in a
0: bodybuilding competition. Like, bodybuilders do that, but not, you know... Dude, just like i mean it's funny to like in riverdale it's funny to me because the entire point of that show to me is like just to take the piss out of so many things in mainstream culture while being a part of that culture itself but that's besides the point like but like in these shows it's like you look at these actors and it's like okay you look like that for a shirtless scene and a lot of people are going to drool over them rightfully so i guess but like it's so st- it's strange i'm not criticizing it sound like you, they, these actors should do that because that's bad but like it's strange that there aren't more roles for these actors to play that are just more dedicated to that to committing to that sort of eroticism and u- utilizing their yeah their bodies to like tell stories around that attractiveness and that for like you know people love romance people love uh, like sex in movies people love that I I guess I'm not sure about that anymore but like people want to watch attractive people do things so it's yeah I guess like it's strange that it's strange that these movies aren't being made anymore in a certain way
1: I do think we might have a comeback in like the future decade. I mean, right now we're witnessing a comeback on the, of rom-coms in a way because of streaming platforms. Like, there's, yeah. I think, more more and more sort of high-profile young actors are actually doing rom-coms than, I would say, for example, 10 years ago. So, yeah. in, you know, I mean, Sydney Sweeney is doing, shooting one right now. Um, so, like, you know, there is, people like those stories and I think sort of the... Production companies have recognized that people like those stories, and so there is like a return on some level to to making them for people. So we might see a comeback of erotic thrillers, especially again how successful those like you know erotic f- war party films are. Like
0: yeah, yeah, it's 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 true, and I guess like there are movies like these being made. Like I guess the most recent example that I've seen of the one Anna-
1: with Anna Darmers.
0: Yeah. 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 Water with Ben Affleck and, and, uh, and the Darmus. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. It's so it's funny to me that Ben Affleck is what is is in what you may consider like two of the most well-known, um, I guess, like successors to that whole like erotic thriller genre or just in general, like marital th- thriller drama. one, gone girl Ah! (laughs) it's it's funny it's just funny to me because ben affleck is this like dad bod guy and like it is it's it's which brings me to the point where you don't even have to have actors that are super attractive play these roles you just have to have good actors which is movies did to sell that sort of like mystique I mean, you know? that's the
1: thing. I mean, again, that's sort of like coming back to a point I was trying to make earlier. That's sort of like, I don't know what happened, but like I feel like a lot of people make the shortcut nowadays. They're like, oh, you're conventionally attractive. Thus, like the, the film will be sexy. And it's like, it has nothing to do with nothing. how you look. It it's it has everything to do with your chemistry, with your uh, scene partner. Right. That's where the eroticism is. It doesn't really matter how you look like. As long as you can build a convincing sexual chemistry with the actor you're working with
0: right and it's like that um, so for one, you have all these actors with these like uh, built like statues and you don't utilize these in movies but uh, and, and again, second, you don't even have to have these actors you can just cast anyone in these roles like really just any body type
1: anybody can... time as long as like like all you should care about is that you cast a pair of actors that has good chemistry that's that's where the gold is and nowadays people i feel like mo- the majority of casting directors cast everybody individually and it's like oh you're all attractive without even casting them for chemistry
0: yeah it's true it's true um yeah yeah it brings us back to the, the thing where like i don't think mainstream hollywood movies are that interested in um creating that sort of chemistry just it's just not romance and eroticism is not a big part of these movies anymore which yeah you know it is what it is
1: and even when it is like it's just so like shallow
0: (laughs) i mean it is but it isn't Like, you know, it is in in text, but it's not in practice.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, it's there in the script, but no one really cares to sort of execute it well.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Which brings us back to, like, the selection and the... Yeah. um...
1: Which film do you want to talk about first? No, before we talk about the films, I do have a question for you. What is it about erotic thrillers that is so fascinating to you as a genre?
0: Interesting. Like, I guess i really like hyperbole and i really like exaggeration in movies i'm interested in that right now and like when i am so interested in what i'm so interested about in these movies is that like the peak of dramatic tension and the peak of sort of the plot that the entire plot is built around is sex which is like just like the closest like the most physically intimate thing you can do with another Beside person
1: killing
0: people Besi- well no wonder that a lot of these <laughs> movies are the, the, you have the thriller part.
1: Yeah, I mean, and also a lot of you know the majority of se- uh, serial killers are sexually motivated. Like, it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it exactly. relapse, it exactly.
0: Overlaps. It's like you know it, it is there in these movies always. Uh, you have the erotic part. You also have the thriller part where someone ends up dead or killed, murdered. Yeah. Um, and like, it, it's just interesting that the these that these movies that the the, the dramatic high point of these movies is like intense physical contact and it's portrayed as such it's not just like you know two people in the scene doing that but there's not any feeling like the this is the scene where you have to give it your all and Mm -hmm. like the movie sells that and shoots that in a way that's like atmospheric and um it feels important it feels meaningful be it like romantic or not romantic at all it, mm-hmm. it just, it, 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 yeah, I, I guess that interests me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Have you seen pac Walk's film specifically? I was thinking about Thirst and Handmaiden.
0: I have seen Handmaiden, not Thirst.
1: I feel like you'd enjoy Thirst because, I, I, I mean, I, I think you could classify Thirst as erotic thriller.
0: Mm-hmm. And, I, and I've and i seen people suggest that Handmaiden could be, like, a follow-up, could be, like, a, a successor to the erotic mm. thriller, like, an example of that nowadays. Yeah. Uh, like, it's <laughs> it's in the Wikipedia page. I'm
1: so sorry.
0: When you when you go to the Wikipedia page of erotic thriller, you, you see that there's a little, like, paragraph saying, oh, erotic thrillers today could be exemplified or, like, mm. er, like, inspired by the genre. And you see, I think you see um, Handmaiden there.
1: Yeah. I really like handmaiden, but that's besides beside the topic today. Um but yeah, I think you'd I think you'd enjoy Thirst if you liked the handmaiden as well. Um mm-hmm.
0: but um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, uh like uh, speaking of the Wikipedia page, and it it goes to what we were talking before, like um like there is this interest in nowadays in these stories, stories like surrounding sex, but they're like when you compare the what, what these movies are. The example of these movies that are given mm. to this, it's like what are we doing? It's like so Fifty Shades movies and the Three Hundred Sixty Five Days movies, where especially the Three Hundred Sixty because I, I would say there is some chemistry between Jamie Dornan and Dakota Johnson because they're good actors, but like when it goes to the Three Hundred Sixty Five Days movies, it's like man, like. I know it feels like ads like d- these movies are not supposed to be ads for whatever you're selling like
1: and after for know. example after you know, only works as an unintentional intention, comedy like it it, it, it yeah. doesn't work on an erotic level at uh, at all it's
0: it's like people want these movies people want to see these types of movies but the movies that we are given that are like focused on these are just kind of like jokes yeah but i also
1: think oh sorry
0: and and like it i guess it just leads a whole new generation of viewers to treat these movies that movies that are about this as like lesser it's like oh it's just a bunch of horny movies with hot people it's just they're superficial and dumb it's like they not they're not you know no there's oh there's so much to to explore and like it's they're so interesting it's like you're just yeah, giving the wrong movies to watch i guess i don't know
1: that and i also think even though you know in of culture west more or less we have a sex positive culture i think we also degraded sex a bit too much oh yeah we've
0: <laughs> gone too far yeah we we've we like Okay, this you know this is getting too superficial. Let's 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 tone it down. Let's tone it down. And now we're at a point where we're considered like, oh, it's just it's cheap and trashy, and it doesn't serve higher themes, or it's like it's too. Or it's
1: just sex. It doesn't really have any meaning beyond. Well, that
0: anything can have meaning when you give it meaning. You know, just yeah, you know, exactly. yeah.
1: I mean, that's the whole point of storytelling, is that you sort of pick arbitrary scenes between characters, and because of the overarching narrative, those interactions have bigger meaning than beyond the single interaction, right? Like, um, but I also wanted to say, I think this this might be, a, I, I might be reaching, this might be sort of a very baseless theory, but do you think maybe that... If you were a director working with a cast today and you wanted to make a film, for example, like Crimes of Passion, where I would argue you have amazing chemistry between the two Mm -hmm. lead characters, I think nowadays where we've become so obsessed with actors rather than their work, I think people... Like, if, if you had this level of chemistry today, for example, with some... I, I don't know, with any any two actors, I feel like immediately people would just like hum them with question, like, how did you achieve such level of chemistry? You must be boning, ha ha ha, you know what I mean? Or like people oh, yeah. on TikTok would spend, like every single interview those actors would give together, they like, the smallest glance would be seen as proof that these two people are in love with each other. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, in many ways, I think it, it was a lot safer... Even though, again, like nowadays you have intimacy coordinators on set most of the time. So like there is like a safeguarding that like everybody feel knows what's going to happen when you have a sex scene. It's sort of like it it, it, like it's a lot clearer. There's a lot more transparency. There's also people who make sure that everything is, you know, kosher. But at the same time, because of our overexposure to the life of the performers, we have unlearned to judge the performance by the merit of the performance itself but rather we're so obsessed with the people who do the performance we sometimes don't even see the performance am i
2: making sense
0: (laughs) yeah i i I, yeah you are and like i it's been exacerbated by social media but like these types of people have always existed especially like the 20s in hollywood like people would Mm. go insane over these people and you know Marilyn Monroe it's like these types of these types of but interactions it, with actors have always like existed it, social media I guess it's just take it just seems I think ever more present because user generated content as well is like, like I th- yeah I think
1: You know, with Marilyn Monroe, like, I think we've had sort of starlets who have reached such a level of film that they felt tangible, but most actors working had a level of distance between people who watched them on screen and and people they interacted with. And I think nowadays, again, because of social media, is the that sense doesn't really exist oh my god
0: yeah I think that's the the thing these types of people and these types of interactions with actors have always existed now with social media you see it more present because Mm -hmm. a lot of the media you consume is just user generated content in social media but also actors having being on those platforms just makes it so easier for like I don't know Timothy Chalamet posts something on social media and a lot of people are just like you know Hounding him with like, yeah, just like would... sexual. Uh, I, I don't know if, if I think if people ever see ever see like Timothy Chalamet, like have an extensive sex scene on screen, it, it, like he will never he would never hear the end of it. Oh no!
1: Yeah, no. I mean th- there is already so many like explicit smut fan fiction about timothy chalamet on tumblr on youtube on what everywhere so like if people actually had you know images of that oh he he would he would i mean you know even with call me by your name like he still doesn't you know oh yeah
0: yeah exactly <laughs> and it's yeah it it is oh that fan fiction stuff as well it's like so some of it's so invasive oh god oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and that's a, 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 a point that I, like, wanted to mention on, on mm-hmm. this Wikipedia page of like, current examples of erotic thriller. Like, here's a, a, like, the last paragraph on the page is interesting to me. Okay. A handful of recent films have attempted to breathe new life into the genre, including The Voyeurs, a film in the vein of the voyeuristic thriller, uh, which is mm-hmm. a movie with um, Sidney Sweeney. Oh, Sidney Sweeney? Mm-hmm. Um, on oh, Amazon, I think. Yeah, uh, as well as the 2022 film's Deep Water, directed by genre pioneer Adrian Lyne, and Don't Worry, Darling, directed by Olivia Wilde, which I don't think like I am not a fan of Don't Worry, Darling, but it in, in seeing it in theaters in a way was refreshing to me.
1: True, I think I wouldn't classify Don't Worry, Darling as an erotic thriller no, because no, no. I. Be- but mainly because, like, I feel like there was, like, no effort put by, you know, Olivia as a director, but I think also Harry as a performer, because I think he's a shit actor. Uh, yeah, into actually mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Into actually sort of building erotic tension between the characters. And that, to me, is one of the sort of key elements of an erotic thriller, thriller is that you have a sense of danger and you have a sense of... Desire and they are constantly overlapping.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it, I'm not a fan of that movie. I, I think there's a lot of movie, there a lot of things that that movie just like, um, kind of misses the mark on. But there's a movie like I kind of respect it in a way. Like it's going mm. for it. It's going for a lot of things that are missing that I would like seeing more in mainstream movies. Like, I mean, it's, it's an original of... story. It's an original script. You have like big name actors or you know a big name musician just a huge celebrity being in these roles without being tied to like comic book characters or franchises where they're like contractually obliged to you know like be an action figure and you have like you know like big name actors portraying like you know people that are supposed to have some sort of like um, relatable or real dimension to them and you have like, and again, you have these this this erotic aspect where you do have uh, some sex scenes. Well, they're not the point of the the plot. Which, and I don't think I'd classify them as an erotic thriller. You do have elements of it. It's going mm-hmm. for certain things, and I guess I I, I respect that. I respect that about think, it. It was refreshing.
1: I think Don't Worry Darling is an aspiration failure. I think it it failed as a film, but I think we should. To recognize that it was trying to do a good thing.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it, it was refreshing to watch. It like it missed the mark. Yeah. It's not a particularly good one, but it has ideas and things that I can tell Olivia I well wanted to bring to the table that yeah. is, is ju- are just missing. And it goes back to like you know Harry Styles and that 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 sort of like rabid fandom is and like you know.
1: I- I think, I think the, I mean, in general, like serve, I I think the script was weak. I think in many ways it did the same thing as Stepford Wives, but worse. Um, and I think you could serve deliver a lot of its ideas, even if it's, you know, even if it would be the same ideas as Stepford Wives serve more interestingly, especially sort of given, um, you know, the comeback. I don't know if you've heard about this movement of like trad wives. You know, oh, yeah,
0: I know that. Yeah.
1: Stuff like that. Like, there's like a lot of interesting things that are sort of a backlash to the feminist movement happening today. And you can sort of reinterpret that in the context context of separate wives today in a very interesting way. I don't think Don't Worry Darling did that particularly. And I think also, I'm sorry, but like, you can't have a lead performance as bad as Harry Styles in your movie for it to work as a film, no matter how hard Florence Pugh tried, like it's just, because you can, I think you can have a bad actor in a sort of supporting role and it can, and the film can still work, you cannot have a bad actor in the lead role.
0: Right. Um, I was a bit forgiving towards him in a way because I don't think he was particularly good in any way. And I do think he was really wooden. I think that's the... I, I don't think he was an outright total failure because I, I do think he nails that sort of, like... I, I did, In a weird way, I did enjoy him when you see them in real life.
1: Oh, yeah, no. In real life, he worked much better. Like,
0: like, in, as the yeah, same... like, when he's supposed to be, like, this sort of loser who uh sort of, like... I, I, Incel actually, core, in, yeah. I enjoyed him. There, which is weird, but when he's this sort of like hyper masculine, like suave fifties guy, yeah. uh, it just it, it didn't work at all. And like I liked him when he is in this sort of like um either in a puppy dog type, you know, like begging his wife for it all to be okay again, and this sort of loser role. I think there are like points of him as an actor like you can explore further if he is but not as the suave leading man that's proven I think Um, but yeah I think there was an element of miscasting when it comes to that character I do think I can immediately think of an actor that would be perfect for that role and that's Nicholas Holt
2: (gasps) yeah he can can sell
0: like the sort of like because he's such a versatile actor he can sell like the posture but he can also sell the loser very well as we've seen many times so
1: oh yeah oh no for sure i think nicholas nicholas would be a... because originally shia LaBeouf was cast and then he... he was either fired or he quit i don't know yeah i think but... he was
0: supposed to be chris pine though
1: uh not harry i thought he was supposed to
0: no, i don't think so i think he was supposed mm. to be chris pine
1: yeah but no i agree nicholas holt would have been would have been great um yeah. But Los. Yeah, you know. yeah,
0: yeah. And I think you can have a lot of great chemistry with Florence. Yeah. True. That's that's an interesting movie, I think. Cuz like it it is bringing a lot of things that I think are missing that are present in these movies, certain ideas that are present in these mm-hmm. like older movies. Not necessarily, not necessarily erotic thrillers, but like movies that are, you know, marital dramas, like relationship dramas and all that. Um But yeah, uh I think there's a lot of... But there are a lot of, like, great actors nowadays of this new generation. Like, you know, millennials and even, like, mm-hmm. early Gen Z that are... that you know, I can see, like, working so well in these roles. And, like, I think Adria Lyne nailed it with casting on in the Dharmas in that, in that role. I've seen it. It's a good movie, I think. I think it's, you know... Like a lot of these erotic roles at the time is, unfortunately, a bit maligned too much. But I think it's a good movie. Um, and like Erna Dobbers is so good in that role I just like she should be like um, I think she'd just be perfect for a lot of these types of roles in erotic thrillers um, I can see Jacob Alordi, who's also in Deep Water, by the way um, I know
1: you've told me I ha- still haven't seen it but I know that uh, he plays the Anandarmer's uh, lover, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The side piece, sort of, to to Anna Dharma's Like, like he's also pretty good. In, he's a small role, but it's also I can see him working. You know, like Sydney Sweeney. I can see oh, him yeah. working very well on this type of role. She's and a she's very already, good actress as well.
1: And she's also already dubbing in, like, sort of you know testing the water with the Voyeurs, and also I've heard that the romantic comedy she's working now will be R rated as well. So it's going to be R-rated really
0: as well? the one with yeah. uh, Glenn Powell.
1: Yeah, yeah oh
0: that's that's good to hear actually more are yeah. and not just erotic thrill like and more r-rated romantic comedies
1: in general like you know you know i'm not saying that everything has to have sex in no it, not
0: at all not at all
1: but like bring back meaningful sex in films
0: right like when it's there make it mean something yeah oh god like this is the peak example of it it's literally one of the biggest movies of all time everyone has seen this titanic i always say this i, I know you don't like it much i i personally like love it to death I but know. like i it's hard to deny that like one of the biggest movies ever the biggest blockbuster of its entire century
1: and it also has, like, ridiculous longevity as well. Like yes. So many people love it still. Like, almost three later. I saw it later. in
0: theaters this year for the first oh, time. Yeah. Like, when it, re- like, for the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Like, insane longevity. People keep coming back to it. And, again, you have a huge blockbuster. One of the most expensive movies ever. And you never have an explicit sex scene between Leo and Kate Winslet. But the tension is so present from the very beginning
1: because it's not really about sort of how much butt you can show it's It's about the tension
0: like again i it's not that i'm necessarily interested in seeing it's not that sort of superficial way of like oh uh oh look at that actor's butt oh look at the boobs it's not even that way i just i want to see it like make it mean something because it's Mm -hmm. interesting to me like you know just yeah, it it's it's a sort of tension that I feel is is missing, and, and I like romantic movies. I like yeah. like being invested in relationships in in movies. I do like, and I think the majority of people are. It's just yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: And I think also sexual tension. Is one of the most interesting tensions you can explore in the film because, like to me, sexual tension—you can have so many other tensions overlap in sexual tension, like you know, power dynamics, like the nature of your desire, like do you want to desire or to be desired? Like so many elements of an individual character arc can be simultaneously explored in a sexual tension, where sort of, I mean, which is not, again not to say that sort of other tensions aren't cannot be as complex but like there's so much there that like a storyteller can play with and it's so sad that it has like been cheapened to the physical act itself which is the least interesting part of eroticism
0: yeah it's like you see 365 days these piece of shit movies and like i mean sure the, the people there are kind of attractive but like I, it doesn't make it like they are cardboard people they are cardboard people i it like they may be in they're carving
1: Klein models but like they're given light it, yeah it's th- like they're a walking poster, poster
0: they're walking posters who like lack like any type of charisma and it's like these people in theoretically you look at their bodies and like okay yeah they're they're pretty hot but like you see them in action you feel nothing you feel nothing it's just a. You feel shame.
1: annoyed? No, you feel annoyed because it's so boring. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's just like I mean, I want to laugh because those movies are kind of hilarious a lot of the time.
1: I mean, depends on the films. One of some of them are like painful. I mean, we know we've watched them. We are masochists. Yeah. Like after two, hilarious. One of the funniest films I've ever seen. After one, is just it's 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 a torture device.
0: It's 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 like. Tazor. It's like. Make, yeah, I of that. Like, make it mean something. I this is not an exercise of my my part of being. Bring it back to the old days, or like, back in the day, it used to be. That's when it used to be great, and we had like, you know, real relationships, real sex in the movies. None of this is like soft. It's not. It's not even that. I'm. I want to do that. It's like, mm. I just. I want to see that more nowadays, and I and there's a lot of potential to play into these types of 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 of, of stories nowadays mm. I, I really do believe it and i just i want to see it more and i'm a huge champion i guess that's why i was my kinder to don't worry darling despite not being an erotic thriller and that's why like i'm not necessarily um I, I i i don't think that movie the the voyeurs is particularly good i, I haven't seen it uh, i've seen scenes mm. of it because of my old job i had to see scenes of it <laughs> um but, like, and it didn't seem particularly good. No, not really. But, um, again, like, I just, I want to support these movies because they, cause again, it, it, even if it's just to diversify the types of films that are popular in in the market.
1: I mean, that's why I think we have to, on some level, support what I called before aspirational failures. Because if you want this sort of vein of films to produce a masterpiece, you also have to produce, like, you also have to support... Failures that paved the way for the masterpiece to happen because, like, we cannot forget that sort of film production and film industry is a product oriented industry. So, if they see that no one is showing up for films of a particular genre or of a particular aesthetic choice, they will not support possible masterpieces within that aesthetic aesthetic space. And that's Mm -hmm. why, Mm -hmm. you know, that's why you, you gotta go see I mean you don't have to but I I do think there's merit in seeing films that like don't worry darling I think we both agree it's not a very good film Mm -hmm. but like if we want to see something in that style that is good we have to show that there is a market, there is a niche for that kind of products as consumers.
0: And that movie was successful and I don't think, I, I hope that studios and producers don't take the lesson that, oh, it's a one-time fluke because, well, Harry Styles is in it. I don't mm. think people necessarily, obviously that's like a huge part of the revenue that it, it received. I mean, I,
1: if if there was an actor in it that I went to see, it was Flo, it was Florence.
0: Right, right. And, and, and even besides that, like, I do think people just... Oh, like, there is... I do think there are some, some parts of the audience, maybe, like, older parts of the audience that don't give a shit about Florence Pugh, don't give a shit about Harry Styles, mm. that just wanted to go to the, the, go to the movies, adults that want to go to the movies and didn't just want to be bombarded with superhero movies or, you know, franchise sequels. and And, you also, know, yeah.
1: and I think also, you know, we both live in an internet bubble. Like, I think we know a lot more about actors of this new generation than an average cinema goer knows you know yeah, like yeah. I think you know just because we know who these people are and we know their filmography and we've served on some level track their careers doesn't mean that an average cinema goer will know these people
0: you know right, right. Um, yeah yeah for sure like I don't I don't think my dad knows who Florence Pugh is for example Um mm.
1: I mean, my dad is very good. I think most of the time people are usually most informed about actors of their generation. So, for example, my parents recognize the most the actors that serve started their careers when they like, because I think you know, obviously when you're a film fan, like it, it grows. But I think in general, you will recognize the most people who serve. You've seen in a lot of different projects because they're starting out their careers as you are sort of like beginning to be a separate target audience. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of, for example, actors from 80s and 70s that I don't know. But my dad, for example, knows them very well. My mom knows them very well. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with the new generation, I know them very well, but my parents are so. Like, they can recognize them, but, like, it's it's, it's, it's a different thing.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, like, I mean, I know these actors, or, like, I've grown to know these actors because I, I watch, like, I, I I like to watch a lot of movies, and mm-hmm. I just you need know, to become acquainted with, you know, actors from the 40s and 30s even. But, like, for people like my parents who aren't that into movies, I mean, you know... Um, mm. They kind of stop in time um, when it comes to recognizing actors a lot. I guess I guess like the Leo DiCaprio, Kate Winslet, Titanic generation. I guess that's where they stopped. You know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Exactly. And like you know, they recognize Tom Cruise. They recognize like Richard Gere. They recognize you know Julia Roberts. They recognize like Clooney. Yeah. Like it's it's um, yeah. Uh, that's a that's an element of it but again like even even for people who won't you know go necessarily to these movies adults uh, of our parents generation that may go into these movies not necessarily for the actors I think they they these audiences who still want to go to the movies even outside of Oscar season or just want to go out and not just see what's on Netflix I think there's an element of of, of, of the audience that still wants to go like my mom just she doesn't like you know necessarily seek out movies she's not a movie person at all but all, every so often she asks me like oh what big movies are now does anything get interested that, that like me and dad might enjoy and like i'm always like struggling to think about things that like that are mainstream and that are accessible and also that aren't necessarily on hbo or netflix
1: Oh yeah, or in the franchise, right? Because or for example, in the
0: franchise, yeah.
1: Yeah, because my dad and I went to see John Wick on Monday, on mm-hmm. the same Monday, and like you know, we've seen all installments together. So like, but like my mom couldn't go with us because right. she hasn't seen the previous three films. Plus she also she's not a big fan of violence as well. So I don't right, think right. John Wick is, yeah.
0: Yeah, I guess, um, by wanting to. To go back to the topic like wanting to me wanting to watch these movies because i'm personally interested in them, and me wanting to talk about it here it's just like i don't know i wanted to like sort of bring back discussion of a part of movies that i guess it's being a bit lost and i don't want to see it lost
1: and i think it's also even even though you know obviously with there being a separate curated selection criterion there is a level of critical uh, reappraisal but i do think that Mostly, people see these films still as trashy cinema, true, even basic instinct. True,
0: true, true.
1: So I was thinking that we could start with Body Heat, then Dress to Kill, and then Crimes of Passion.
0: Yep. Yeah. Chronologically. Yeah. 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 Um, like, um, along with this program on Criterion, there is this essay uh, on the Criterion website that accompanying it uh, by. Beatrice Louisa, I yeah, uh, it's called The Wet Dreams and Twisted Politics of Erotic Thrillers, and I just, like, to sort of introduce the, the genre, like, wanted to read a little bit of it, sort of, like, the, where it comes from, I guess, like, Mm -hmm. why it became big in the early 80s, and why this starts in, like, the, the 80s, uh, this selection, so, like, um, Lying at the heart of these erotic thrillers is the belief that sex is dangerous, an idea that's been around since the beginning of Hollywood time. Um, Wait, that's not the part I want to read. But I guess I can keep that in. Uh, During the late 60s and 70s, a parallel revolution was happening in the margins of the entertainment industry. This was the golden age of pornography, a time in which adult films were made with high production values and received wide theatrical releases that allowed them to complete with Hollywood fare. Breakthrough titles like Gerard Amieno's Deep Throat and The Devil in Miss Jones triumphed at the box office and even garnered critical acclaim. These were certainly meant to get you hot and bothered, but the best of them also had personality, an element that went missing in the merely functional softcore that took over when a new means of distribution changed the game. The rise of video meant that viewers could enjoy the most salacious schlock in the privacy of their homes which zapped the elevated porn market right around the time when lawmakers nationwide were doubling down on their efforts to protect Hollywood from adult films' corrupting influence. Hollywood financers, nevertheless, continue to abide by the mantra, sex sells. Because of the void created by home video, they saw their chance to rework blue movies into a more broadly appealing, culturally pre- prestigious form. Thus, the erotic thriller, the love child of porno chic and film noir, was born. These films repackaged elements of softcore porn and conventions of noir, femme fatales, murder plots, and relentless, relentless scamming. The ways in which classics of the genre, including perhaps the most famous of all erotic thrillers, Fatal Attraction, cut sex, into, uh, cut sex and murder into their brand of powder that reflected the culture wars of the 80s. Sex had entered the mainstream, but with a catch, and just going forward a little bit, um, meanwhile, according to the country's newly ascendant religious right, the AIDS epidemic was a plague unre- un- unleashed by an angry god. In dress to Kill, uh, Dickinson's Kate finds out that the random hunk she slept with has both syphilis and gonorrhea, but that turns out to be the lesser of punishments she endures for daring to seek pleasure outside of her orgasm-deficient marriage. Upon leaving her deceased lover's apartment, she's sliced to pieces by a trench coat wearing psycho biddy, Right. Just so to introduce, like, sort of the, the history of the genre.
1: But it makes so much sense that it's, like, a it's a love child of film noir and pornography, because that's exactly what it is. <laughs> so, you, you,
0: you, you watch, like, the movie that we we're starting with. I know I mentioned uh, Dress to the Kill there, just to add the element of, like danger that like why the element of danger in these movies felt so i guess real in the 80s -hmm. Uh, but like body heat sort of beginning with that i watched this movie and i'm like okay the beginning portion like at least the beginning like the first 20 minutes where the main characters meet and they're they're sort, Mm -hmm. sort of like flirting between them this is straight out of a movie from the 40s and 50s like this is so film noir
1: And also sort of just like the overarching plot that there is a femme fatale figure who tricks her lover into killing her husband. That's so femme fatale core. I mean, recently on Criterion, I watched Nevada, uh, not not Nevada, um, Niagara with uh, Marilyn
2: Monroe. Oh, okay, I've never seen that.
1: But it has like a very similar overarching plot where essentially sort of young, this dissatisfied wife plots with her lover to kill her husband the, I think the only difference between body heat and sort of classical film noir structure of that type is that usually mm. the femme fatale has to be punished mm. either you know by death or usually by death but here a spoiler alert she wins
0: does she though well yeah we can discuss I mean, that yeah, but like we
1: can discuss that but like there is no sort of overt sense of punishment
2: right. for her
0: right it's ambivalent and that's that whole sort of like element of subversion in these movies as well where there are these archetypes and these elements of film noir the the sort of the crime the the murder the all of that the danger but also like by reading this i it, it dawned on me oh yeah like the 70s were the decade for the rise of like high like not high budget but you know like respectably budgeted pornography I mean, I
1: think 70s was the time where, sort of, the idea that porn can have narrative was, like, introduced, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's also the beginning of Playboy. I mean, sort of, what's the name of that shrinkly old dick? Uh, Hugh... Hugh Hafner. Hugh Hugh Hafner. I mean, he started his career at the end of 60s, like, 70s. I mean, that's the beginning of, sort of, porn... Also, you know, uh, I, I know you didn't watch but there is this good TV show on HBO. I mean, it used to be on HBO, then HBO canceled it and started picking pick it up. Never mind. It's called Minx. And it's about, like, um, it, it's happening in the 70s. And it's about sort of this young woman who's trying to publish a feminist magazine. No one wants to publish it except a pornography uh, publishing mm, house. And okay. like, so sort of the concept is to create a pornography magazine for women. Uh, but yeah, it's like also like all the pornography magazines are from the
0: 70s right right and you think about like the most famous movie uh made about that whole time period boogie nights uh it is yeah. it's set in the 70s it's yeah
1: we boogie Nights gonna be for this uh Past concert is it you're gonna have pleasure yeah pleasure boogie nights and red rocket
0: cool i guess oh yeah cool that plays into sort of what we're talking about here as well yeah cool
1: we're very sex themed recently yeah
0: it's true um, I guess it's only fitting because like a lot of movies around like that have sex in the central themed uh, in central as its central themes are usually maligned and seen as lesser because people are ashamed to like,
1: unless they're very preachy about it as well. Right. Because right. so, like,
0: yeah. people, you know, think, you know, are like to be ashamed that they like, you know, things seen as too carnal or superficial, I guess. But yeah, that's, you know, besides the point
1: not even the shame but like i think that uh, we have as, i think sort of especially sort of in christian cultures like there is this idea that like you know sex is there but like talking about it or exploring it Ta- that's sh- shame, so shameful not it's existent per se yeah. but sort of if you build a culture or if you build a sort of more nuanced understanding of it around it that's where the shaming begins yeah
0: then it becomes taboo yeah yeah, yeah. um Uh,
1: But it's also interesting, sorry sorry to get in, but because I've met, like, you know, uh, also from my job, because I have, like, students of different age, uh, you know, on one hand, you have this, like, taboo around sexually explicit content and sexually explicit culture, but at the same time, especially with, like, more conservative people from, like, older generation, to not have sex, to not feel desire is also seen as abnormal. Oh, yeah,
0: it's so puzzling to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's like... You can't win, you can't explore it, nor you cannot feel it at all. It's like, it's, it's so
0: weird. It's, it's, yeah, it's so, it's so true. It's so true. It's like, it, it, it is, it is taboo. And it, you, people become all prudish about it. But then you, once you become a little loose, you start, uh, 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 or like, and... Uh, if you,
1: bec- like, if you state clearly completely uninterested in something, then like, you also, there's also something deeply wrong with you. Yeah it's, it's yeah,
0: so weird. Yeah, it's it's just sort of a, a double standard that I never really understood. Like fucking talk about it. It's like it's it's like the biggest part of like, you know, just like um leisure time for a lot of people or the people's personal lives for a lot of people. And so like talk about it openly, just like who you know, yeah, it's true. I mean
1: you know, with individual relationships like I mean, I you know m- m- you know, individual relationships are individual relationships. Like, if you know repression and silence works for you, there you go. But like with culture, like how can we like have such a double story when it comes to culture that sort of a lot of people don't believe in the romantic storyline within a film unless there's explicit sexual content. But at the same time, we cannot expose sexuality in films because that's like too trashy. Yeah, you know what and when, I mean. When
0: you talk, when you start talking about. When certain themes around sex become mainstream or like um you know aids or even abortion like oh, now of a sudden that's a whole taboo or like or when you talk about when you start thinking about like sexual education for for children and teenagers now that's a whole debate I'm like come on it's mm-hmm. like the biggest thing it's like it, it revol- like the world world revolves around it, and yet you want to keep it a taboo and keep people from lear- properly learning about it. And like yeah,
1: and also with sex education, so sort of the paradox is that like a lot of people say that you know kids shouldn't have sex education because it's gonna sexualize them. It's actually the opposite. A hundred percent. If kids have you know, and by kids out here I mean teenagers have like comprehensive sex education, it actually like they enter into like they become sexually active later in their life than kids that have no sexual education
0: they you know people become it's it's what it is it's education and education always like always promotes you know uh it's it's just it's just better for you i don't know what else to say
1: yeah education gives you the tool to make informed decisions about what you like and what you don't like what you want to do and what you don't want to do if you don't have education you cannot make an informed decision and that's why a lot of people make mistakes
0: yeah like, and then that's why you know so many so many people end up regretting a lot of like mm-hmm. early relationships that they may have or even or, or even yeah. certain marriages that they may have and you know it's it's what it, it's just it, and I guess by like by promoting a more sex positive culture and having these movies be in the mainstream as not even like discussing these themes directly Um, but like by even having these movies in the mainstream I think that would just help just even if there are movies for adults obviously and not necessarily I don't necessarily want like you know 10 year old kids watching these movies but it it would even contribute to break a taboo you know
1: oh yeah I mean, I mean, I I remember when sort of I was little and my parents were watching some erotic thriller and I remember there was like a scene with like a bunch of, you know, ladies with boobs, and like my dad jokingly said, "Hey, close your eyes," and my mom was like, "She's gonna have them anyway. It's just a part of a body. It's fine." Right. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I was watching sex scenes with them, but there was like the sort of normalization of body as a body, as opposed to like some signifier of like whatever right yeah
0: yeah and,
1: yeah and then i also think it's like it's all about attitude right it's like i think it's like it's not even about sort of being like sex positive but just championing information and education and understanding that things are complex and but also that you know the more the more you push something into the shadows the more sort of malignant it becomes because then yeah. it becomes like yeah because if you don't know that's when something becomes obsessive i mean that's like that's why like again so sort of with erotic thrillers it's there's a lot of play with knowing and not knowing and so sort of that sort of the not knowing creates excitement because like it creates this wants to chase somebody right uh, which again i mean you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> is that if we want to have in general a sort of safer society when it comes to sex health and sexual relationships the more different voices and the more dis- different perspectives are explored both in education and culture the better because it just then creates a sense of like oh it's a complex thing but we can all talk about it. there is no taboo and we can sort of talk about it, it's many fa- facets right and like it's fine
0: yeah yeah for sure um and like, again, when, when culture sort of, um, when, when it becomes talked about, it's the whole thing about representation, right? When it talks, when it becomes talked about and mentioned in culture in general, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it, 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 becomes less taboo and that's all I, yeah. all I, all I want. And again, it, it's think... completely different from whatever we're talking about, because this is an adult genre that it's, yeah. it's very, you know, like, um, explicit and also just nothing to do
1: that kids just won't understand I mean that's why I think euphoria isn't for teenagers it's for people who are sort of reflecting on their teenage years because the themes are just it's it's not made for teenagers and a teenage audience I think will not be able to understand sort of the emotional elements of the storytelling there and it's the same with erotic fillers. It's not just because like there's sex there that's why kids cannot watch it, but there are elements of the human experience that the kids have not yet had access to, yeah. and therefore they will not understand the themes of these series mm-hmm. uh, of these films.
0: And uh, 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 like something I wanted to mention has nothing to do with this but and i think a show that is made for teenagers is sexual edu- mm-hmm. sex education you know it's like oh, yeah. literally like though i i like i am a huge supporter of the ex- the popularity of that show it's super cool to see um and, and it is for teenagers it's, it's like
1: it's it's it is like, for
0: teenagers yeah yeah uh and you know it's it, it yeah so going back to body um mm. like it, and then yeah like you have this whole um beginning that's almost like a a, a tribute like the the director who by the way i don't know if you know this um the director of this movie lawrence kasdan not necessarily known as a director because do you know what he wrote no he is the screenwriter for empire strikes back this man wrote so much star wars shit this man wrote i think empire strikes back return of the jedi and force awakens
2: oh
1: my god i have oh my god that's what i miss in today's cinema you know because like back in the day you would have people doing a lot of very different crazy projects sometimes and nowadays it's like
0: yeah, you become tied to the 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 franchise machine, and you kind of are hard pressed to escape it.
1: Yeah, you become a Marvel director or a comic book director or like prestige drama director or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, like...
0: yeah. Um, That's it... why again,
1: I'm excited for Barbie because it feels like it could be sort of like a... Greta could be breaking out of a certain mold there, which is exciting.
0: And, and, and yeah this guy lawrence kasdan is uh and i guess to contextualize the film a, a bit I, I hadn't watched this movie before uh watching this now but like Am i, I sure do I... I knew though i do have the context of um who he is and the generation he came up in like he is in this movie in the, the early 80s um 1981 he this movie sort of is born out of um also, not just the tribute to that whole film noir genre, but also from a generation of filmmakers that came up in the 70s, um, like Spielberg, Scorsese, um, Lucas, uh, and I guess, like, not necessarily known as a director, but Lawrence Kasdan is also inserted in that with his collaborations with George Lucas and stuff, Francis Ford Coppola, for example, as well, Mm. that, like, once Hollywood became um, there was a stagnant period in Hollywood, and these guys sort of um, brought a new sensibility and a more like, I guess, postmodern sensibility. Brian De Palma, as well, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to ref- to referencing classics that they had grown up watching. This is a kind of, sort of like the first big major generation in America. Obviously, uh, in France, it, always, it was already happening. But, like, a first major generation of Hollywood directors that were cinephiles and, like, Mm. um, were super conscious. It's like sort of like a film school generation that were conscious of film's history and, like, reference points and and all that. Um, Hence, why I think Body Heat is so, uh, calls back so much to archetypes and and stylistic choice, like the jazz score from. Um, this is a movie that I haven't seen. I, I've seen people say that it refers a lot to a movie, Double Indemnity. I haven't seen it, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and again, like the erotic thriller is also um, shaped by that um, sensibility. Mm. Um, but yeah, like Body Heat, it turns into it's 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 about uh, like this lawyer. It takes place in in Florida. Uh, in the heat wave, so everything you see—that's what we we're talking about in the beginning. Like everything is so steamy; every everyone is sweaty. It's water everywhere. It's like such a, a vibrant atmosphere. That's the, yeah. the one of the main things that I love about this movie. Um, it's it's like it's so sweaty. It's like the, the atmosphere is just so clear. You you're there, um, and uh, uh, this lawyer uh becomes enamored with this rich housewife um played by kathleen turner the guy played by william Hurt. and then
1: i also just wanted to add in case uh in case people didn't realize kathleen turner plays mrs lisbon in the virgin suicide i think that's such a brilliant casting about a film that like enforces prudishness on girls to have like a the queen of the 80s erotica to play the you know the overbearing prudish mother
0: great point great point and um i wasn't as familiar with her work a- a- in this register like my um the movies that i had seen with her um were virgin suicides which it's her it's older she's playing a conservative mother and uh peggy sue got married um by mm. francis ford coppola Which
1: we'll be seeing in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. And and she plays Peggy Sue, who is a a very, like, very much not this type of character. She's a (laughs) Peggy Sue. Um, So, like, I wasn't familiar with her in this register. And, like, it it dawned on me, oh, yeah, like, and and that's a great point that you make about virgin suicides. Because I didn't know this whole side of, of her career where she broke in as a sort of, like, um in here she's a femme fatale but in 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 crimes of passion uh uh she does play a very different role yeah um
1: but uh, also erotic in nature yes of
0: course yeah, yeah yeah um yeah and and she uh like yeah they, they he becomes super enamored with her they they flirt, as you do they flirt <laughs>
1: I, literally, like my second note when I was watching Body Heat is I too would be this desolate if Kathleen Turner flirted with me and then disappeared.
0: <laughs> no, right like th- she's so charming in in like both of these roles like she's so yeah. charismatic like you can't help but to be completely like engrossed by her. yeah um, and like they have this torrid love affair like they it's so steamy like the plot of this movie it really it's very simple until mm-hmm. the ending. Like it, the, yeah. it, like the first hour of this movie, it's just like again, it it is the sexual tension and the sex, not just tension, like the sex that they do have. Um, mm-hmm. Willem Hurt's character and Kathleen Turner's character, uh, it's 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 all there is. Like he is uh, uh, um, an underpaid lawyer, uh, and she cool. is a rich cool. housewife.
1: And also the lawyer has a style of, sort of, he's a defense lawyer and he has a style of weaponizing competence in order to get his clients what mm-hmm. he wants, like the the best possible deal. So like he will sort of act, I mean, one of the first scenes in the film is like you have a court scene, right? Where sort of he, I think, consciously weaponizes like his, like this per- image that he's incompetent and he doesn't really know how to defend his client to get him a very good deal with, uh, with the DA. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, and there's also this element um, to the, is... the relationship um, yeah. where she is married but her husband is like this rich venture capitalist and he's never present so uh, she just like um is so bored with with him and she begins with she begins this um love affair which ends up coloring sort of like what type of character she is later on and you sort of Mm -hmm. realize like you're very much like rooting for the success of this love affair for the first hour and like when the the rich husband comes in you just want to like just just you know just just put him out just just like
1: Stop, 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 go stop, stop. away
0: you're so annoying you're getting in the way of the hot people
1: i mean i didn't have that reaction as much with sort of her husband because i think her husband was just like there for two scenes so i right. didn't have the time to grow this hatred but in crimes of passion i hated bobby's wife so much it... right
0: right we can we can discuss that like later <laughs> in crimes of fashion but like yeah the, these two characters which are just like interfering with the main um the main relationship Let the
1: hot people have sex <laughs> no
0: exactly exactly um and and like so again that's like it, it's it's not just like i think it adds a lot of depth to her character as well like oh yeah um you see this this this, this brief scene where she doesn't have kids but like um the husband brings uh, his small niece into mm-hmm. the the mansion and you see this the scene without William hurt's character where they're having like they're having dinner uh, the two of them and her his niece um' is a small child and she just looks like so checked out like she just oh, yeah she' just I, I like that detail a lot and then when and th- that dinner and scene also- with um William Hurt, where both men are in play and they meet for the first time.
1: Um, One of the things I enjoyed also about this film is I think in certain classic noir, whenever you have like a kill the husband plot, like there is this element to the characterization of the wife that sort of they, you know, very consciously married someone very rich for the money. Like there was like this element of, of agency and they're now like actively looking to get out of the situation and what i really appreciated about maddie's character is that that there is like this conceptualization of her as this type of femme fatale but like kathleen turner's performance suggests a completely different story sort of of a woman who was very young and somehow found herself in the situation and she was desperately trying to get out of it and that's why I think, again, coming back to the ending, like, there is a question did she win or did she not win? Because, mm-hmm. like, technically, yeah, she got what she wanted, like, her plan worked. But on the other hand, it's like she just looks so unhappy. <laughs>
0: yeah that's what i like a lot about this this character like there's a lot of in, in kathleen turner's performances like she's so good both in both movies that she's in that we selected like she's, she's incredible so but
1: she also especially sorry, in crimes of passion there's something about her acting style her voice that reminds me of emma robert and uh, not emma Roberts.
2: um
0: uh, you mean emma, St- emma stone yes Emma Stone. Right. oh my god i was watching <laughs> crimes of passion and I was picturing like who's the who's the like the, the, the actor nowadays that could play like this character like oh my god Emma Stone of course of course
1: especially with Crimes of Fashion it was just like are they related? Like, it, it. even the voice is so similar in Crimes of Passion. It's
0: just, it was crazy. Oh, yeah. Her, 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 when she goes into, like, sort of, like, deeper register in Crimes of Passion as, like, the as China Blue, like, she yeah. she goes to the, the, that deeper register. With, like, I was reminded of Emma Stone. Like, yes. That, that's, why, that's why also I kind of, like, think that Emma Stone is one of the, like, best um, newer movie stars emerging in the past decades. Like, I think she's incredible. <laughs> Yeah, and, and she's so like, versatile. And you can exactly, place her, you can to place see... her in so many eras of film, and she would work.
1: Yeah, I mean, and even when you look through her filmography, she does a lot of very different projects, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she even did, she even did comic books film, and she was even good in those. Oh yeah, she, she, she did was this good. By the... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, like you can insert her in so many, like even eras of of Hollywood, and you 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 pick, you, you can see it, eighties. Like, like, even in the 40s, where she... Even
1: silent film on some Yeah, like,
0: even if you... I, I mean, you know, no coincidence that she was initially um, the the target art, actress for Damien Chazelle's Babylon. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, like, um, yeah, she's, she's incredible. But, like, Kathleen Turner here, um, she brings so much depth to this archetype, uh, the femme fatale archetype, that I love where she is like ruthless and like she's gonna get what she wants and she's so open about her desires like as soon as she sees William Hurt's character she just goes oh I missed you I've wanted you so much she's like it's like the first thing she says she's so direct to it there's no subterfuge
1: but I mean like, what's so interesting about her characters, she, she yes, she is direct, she is very worth, uh, ruthless and sort of, like, as it's said in the movie, she's the kind of person that does what is necessary. Yeah. But at the same time, you can see that she is sort of plagued by this, like, feeling of, not necessarily ineptitude, but sort of, like, this unfeatherness to anything real. Like, she feels, like, very, to me, at least, like, in, in certain scenes, she just, like, She's very direct, but at the same time, she feels like a person that just cannot find like a solid ground in the world to feel like her existence is real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, like on yeah, on one hand, very direct, very sort of pragmatic. On the other hand, she feels like so lost.
0: Right, right. Um, and like, he, yeah, she does. In 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 that's the the depth element that Kathleen Turner brings to the table. Like, um. She, there's a lot of like vulnerability and openness to her, and mm-hmm. like it, it, when it gets to the murder plot between um, her and William her to plot the the kill her to kill her husband, I found it interesting that like she is, um, like seductive and and, and ruthless in that regard. Uh, to the point where it drove um, this sort of like uh, very by the books uh, law abiding. He's a bit of a rebel, but he's still like very you know, law abiding guy in William Hurt's character. Yeah. Into him suggesting that the the husband be killed. Like oh, yeah. it's I found it's an interesting and detail he... that it's him who suggests like let's kill this guy, let's be together. It it's yeah. it's her that. Um, like gets him to that point point and like oh let me let me get this guy and you understand that okay let me let me uh, manip- not manipulate but let me Inspire, seduce I this guess. guy like plant the yeah. seed of this idea because our chemistry is so strong uh, that let me just get this guy but that but also the vulnerability of i don't really i'm not just really using this guy i i genuinely want him like yeah, yeah. And, and i uh, she's just a, a really interesting character here And, like, everything that happens after the murder is also really cool, like, very... um...
1: I also found it very funny and ironically very Gen X, uh, Gen Z humor is, like, when... Because it's essentially sort of, like, um, uh, Ned, that's the name of the character, and to give himself an alibi, he sort of goes to Miami to, um, you know, book a hotel room, and, but, like, then he sort of drives back to this town where um where, where they live where they will commit the murder but so, sort of as he's walking to his like rented car he sees a car with a clown and to me i mean i know i'm reaching but it's like he is clowning himself oh my he- god
0: like this is a guy who is completely just like he transforms his entire character it was like not character in the sense of fictional characters like his entire like Moral code mm-hmm. for this for this woman, and it's like it's not the simplistic thing of oh, this mad Jezebel is like corrupting the law-abiding citizen. Not really. They're both on. He suggests the murder, and yeah, she. And he she, executed and, the
1: murder, and as she, well. He was the driving force of yeah, the whole plot. yeah.
0: He's not a victim, and and she's not a victim, and and, and, and like and and she's not. It, None of these two characters are, like, manipulative villains or the victims of manipulation. They're both, like, they're both in on it. And, Mm -hmm. like, he ends up clowning himself. But, like, dude, you you reap what you sow. Yeah. Uh, Like, uh, he... And the way he's like so he's such a clown like the way he's so like nonchalantly the way he brags to his colleagues like like yeah i'm banking this broad you know yeah oh. like
1: li- like the funniest thing about body heat in this film is that like they would like they he would get away with it he would have gotten away with it had he not had the like cis hat guy compulsion to brag about who he's been having sex with
0: exactly i I really i I love by the way, in supporting roles, I love the two uh Ted Denson oh, yeah Ted Denson as as his like gay coded colleague, very dorky gay coded colleague such a such a good like um dynamic Jackson. between the two yeah i I really liked it. also I'd never seen young Ted Denson before. Um, well, are you for you for sure know old ten dancing. No, now. I
1: no I I'm trying to. Oh,
0: okay, okay, tr- okay.
1: To to think if I've seen him in something else when he was young. No, but I think he wasn't.
0: I think this was the first time where it really yeah. like him as, as as a young guy, uh and um, like he, he I really enjoyed that chemistry, uh and I don't remember his name. Uh the the more righteous um. Sort of i like, think
1: the character's name was oliver or oscar something yeah like yeah yeah know.
0: i think oscar oscar mm-hmm. uh i, I enjoyed him as well the cast is fantastic i think the the script is very smart and very subversive of these tropes like the femme fatale trope where she's you know very mm. vulnerable as well and very earnest about her feelings um yeah it's it's it's, it's good stuff and this the atmosphere again um like it's so vivid the everything is so steamy and sweaty it's like and night comes in and you fight you get these characters meeting once again and you know they're gonna fuck and when they do it's like it's it's very it's very intense and it's like the the, the jazz score as well like i i really like it's not my favorite of the ones we watch that is crimes of passion but mm-hmm. like as a sort of like int- i this was the last one that i saw but as sort of an introduction to the genre, I think this would be really good. Because you have that sort of like referential element yeah. of classic Hollywood. But you also have um, this element of uh, thriller crime uh, that is so um, present in these in these movies. I, I love the ending, by the way.
1: Mm-hmm. I just want to say, I remember where else I saw Young Ted Danson cheers
0: oh i've never seen cheers didn't know he was in cheers
1: Uh, he plays the main role
0: (laughs) really oh wow okay i I, i'd never seen cheers um
1: i only seen like a a couple of episodes randomly on fox yeah
0: that's one of those like old um comedy shows that i never Mm -hmm. never dabbled even when i was watching like friends and stuff um but yeah like isn't is is it fraser that's a spin-off of cheers right
1: i think so i'm
0: Wait. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to watch Fraser because I I think um, Kelsey Kramer is hilarious. But that's yeah okay. It's a deviation. Um. Yeah, I I love the ending where, um, like you, they do commit the crime, and all of a sudden the clown comes into realization of his clowning. And he just becomes this, like, sort of super self conscious, like, oh no, what have I done? But also, I'm still bragging to my friends about this, 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 this widow that I'm banging. Like, come on. Um, and the
1: complexities of a straight man.
0: <laughs> and, like, when I love the reveal of the her faking her death.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and he's just, like, tortured by the the idea of not just guilt of what he's done, but also, like, she got away with it. And I know her last words in the movie... Not her last words. where well, Her last words to him are, like, I, I really do love you. Like where you see the 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 earnestness of her feelings reinforced. It's just, like, he's just paranoid by this idea of, like, oh, no, yeah, like, there was genuine there was something genuine here but also like mm-hmm. she was she's way behind she, she was way like beyond my yeah like her i mean
1: she she felt like she genuinely fell for him i think but at the same time she's the kind of person that like had to do what was necessary to be done so like once the plan was in motion she just couldn't
0: yeah yeah like yeah. she had
1: to finish executing it and that's sort of why the ending is so like she because... does win
0: she does get what yeah. she wants but she's like yeah I love that the the reveal with the yearbook where she says what's her um,
1: oh to be rich and to live on some like tropic tropic island and that's exactly what she gets
0: caught to the final scene of the movie where she's just like in a, in a an exotic setting like um, and she's just like she's also like super checked out and detached she has this like side piece next to her, to her but she's so sort of like yeah i got what she wants but um i got i got what i want but i yeah i i there are reservations and oh yeah and i i enjoyed that subversion of it where she's just, just not like a ruthless woman who um Played everyone, and I, her entire character is that she's evil and manipulative. That's fun, but mm-hmm. also this is a cool like added depth to her, where she lot along- she wasn't counting on the genuinity of her feelings.
1: Yeah, because it's one thing to kill a husband that you hate, and it's another thing to frame a boyfriend that you actually love.
0: End up enjoying, end up enjoying the company <laughs> yeah. of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I, 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 re- I would recommend it a lot as an introduction to the genres. For the first hour, you really do just get their um, William Hurt and Kathleen Turner's chemistry, which is great. Uh, and then you have a very, like, sort of fun um, crime thriller. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's go to Dress to Kill. Oh,
0: God. Oh, my
1: God. Which is problematic it's Problemat- ve-
0: it's very complicated in many ways like this movie is fascinating and I, wanted
1: to, I wanted to say problematic not necessarily that like it has more well, problematic like you know elements it does it does spoiler alert but it's also like problematic because i cannot make up my mind but i whether i think this film works or not even if you like sort of turn a blind eye to sort of the transphobic elements of the story it's like it's very hard for me to make up my mind about sort of this film as a film you know Mm -hmm. not just sort of the ideas that it um i don't want to say promote but sort of entertains or engages with it's like it's i think the best way to describe it is the way you describe it that it's just so
0: it's so yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. exactly right dress to kill also i think coming out like in like the same year as uh body heat and Could be. yeah in like early 80s again it's like brian de palma who um, of carrie fame of carrie fame and he had always like he had always he had started to make a name for himself um much like lawrence Kasdan did with body Heat, like he a lot of his movies are just like indirect conversation with Hitchcock movies mm-hmm. like,
1: I mean when I was watching Dress to Kill like, I think I texted and yeah. was like is this a Psycho remake For because sure. there's so many elements of it. Psycho
0: you clocked it and like um, there are a lot of his movies that play into that like Body Double which is in the selection is mm. essentially um, rear window but eroticized and mm. thriller-fied uh, well, Ruin is already a thriller, but this yeah, is, like, a, a pervy version of... Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of stuff about um, a later film of his where it's, like, success- less successful. Like, this is a guy who had a lot of success in the 70s and 80s. Like, he directed Scarface. Um, and, like, in the 2000s, he's sort of, like, ever since... He's still directing, but, like, he became less successful, commercially successful, because... I think the things that he's interested in became less mainstream Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, femme fatale which came out in 2002 I saw last year it's one of my favorite movies I saw last year like it's insanely weird movie that plays a lot into I guess some elements of vertigo I'd say Um, but yeah uh, like again this is a guy that came up uh, in that generation that's very conscious of the references he's making it's very obvious as well like this movie opens with a shower scene that's like built to a crescendo of danger but the danger itself is like not yet existent where it's all a sexual fantasy yeah Um, I
1: remember I do have a question like one of the in the shower in the opening shower scene we also get a shot of uh, sort of the the genitalia of one of the lead actresses
0: true, yeah, yeah,
1: and she has bleached pubic hair, which I'm vaguely right. aware some people do, but why would you? <laughs>
0: I don't, know if, because, I don't know if she did it for the movie, if it was a trend or whatever, I guess. I mean, yeah. I
1: mean, you know, she could have just, like, a wig for the pubic area, so, like, it didn't have to be also,
0: her, like, your yeah, prob- hair. That's a good point, yeah.
1: But, like, what I'm trying to say, have you ever dyed your hair or bleached your hair? No. Okay, so when you dye your hair, or because even, like, dyes have elements of bleach in it, so, like, it, it, so if it oxidizes, you know, the hair. And it stinks, like... You, one of one of the things about bleaching your hair, specifically blonde, it's like it's it's kind of painful. Like it stings. It's 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 it your you know scalp. It's like it's not the most pleasant process. Right. And you have to. And also, if you want to bleach your hair, especially like to such a bright blonde as the actress has her pubic hair, you have to have it at least for like half an hour, if not more. Like you have to have the bleach on the hair, and. You know the scalp isn't the most sensitive of places which is why you know a lot of people dye their hair and like it's fine but like your pubic area historically is a very sensitive place like you have a lot of like nerve endings there the skin is also very sensitive so why would you put an acid essentially that will sting the shit out of you know that piece of your body for like at least 30 minutes for what (laughs)
0: I never considered that. So you can have blonde I never pubic considered hair? that, but it's true, yeah. <laughs> I Okay, like, now that you said that, it's probably prosthetics.
1: Yeah, probably. But I do know that, I guess, some people do it. Yeah, so it's yeah, like, yeah. I'm just, in general, baffled I mean, by the idea of, like, I mean, people, bleaching I your mean, pubic hair.
0: People pierce their genitalia, so, you know.
1: Yeah, but, like... That, to me...
0: That's not that strange to me when, you know, nothing's strange to me anymore.
1: True, but I think, sort of, you know, with with the piercing, I know that, like, you know, a lot of people, for example, pierce their nipples, which in and of itself is very p- painful piercing to get. But then, sort of, as we have sa- saw in Titan, sort of, you can use the, sort of, the piercing to increase the eroticism of erotic acts. Right. What the fuck is the point of bleaching your pubic hair? How does that improve the quality of your erotic experience?
0: Right, right. Yeah, I I guess I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what to say. I'd never consider that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true.
1: Anyway, if anybody listening has answers, please DM me. I, I I'd like to know. I'd like to know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. we we start with the with the shower scene and also similarity to Psycho. We serve as an audience are misled as to who the main character is because we follow. Mm-hmm, what was mm-hmm. the the name of the the lady?
0: Oh, I forget. I think Kate. I think she was. Yeah. yeah, It's Angie Dickinson. It's an older actress. And she played. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So we sort of follow Kate uh, for the first 30 minutes of the film, what also turns out to be her last day alive. Uh, We sort of follow her for the um, motions and we are led to believe she's the main character of the film, but she is not, which Mm is, I think psycho is the most famous example of that being that that kind of subversion
0: yeah yeah it's sort of a, it was very like revolutionary i think in that aspect
1: yeah and then i think the the other element that made me think that oh this is this is psycho is the fact that the the killer is a um transgender person slash crossdresser it's it's I... very
0: unclear yeah yeah that's the, yeah, that's mm-hmm. the thing like you've not, you're not really sure but then the f- the movie explicitly brings up transgender people like wait wait what i thought you we were just dealing with crossdressing i thought that was the point wait what
1: and also they treat transgender like identity as essentially a version of the split personality disorder, right, dissociative right, identity right. disorder. Which again, you know, in psycho you have that, that sort of like Norman Bates cannot cope with the death of his mother, so he cross dresses as his mother. Like he switches consciousness on some level, right, when he kills. And here you have Michael Caines, point alert alerts, who supposedly has two battling personalities within him, one male, the other female. And when the male is aroused, the female sort of comes out bobby comes out and she murders the women that have caused his arousal and i'm like that what the fuck that's like nowhere near what
0: transgender of course (laughs) of course like it is that's it's baffling to me where you know i'm not it's like i guess it's like i'm not that quick to sort of condemn this movie also the fact that a lot of trans people like just reclaim it this movie a lot i mean
1: that's why i think i think it's problematic in the sort of like the truest like sense of this word because it's like it's very hard for you to make up your mind because on one hand you have like very clearly stated this idea that like transgender people have split personalities and one of them is murderers because she cannot handle the you know sexual feelings of the he within like what but on the other hand it's like it's so cartoonish that you can enjoy it like even though it it like perpetuates very harmful yeah yeah misconceptions like
0: a hundred percent but also like this movie is when it comes to that aspect of it it's so puzzling because right like it, it is problematic like when a lot of people nowadays say problematic they just mean morally reprehensible this is i think this is problematic as in the sense that it is problematic it brings up problems Problems. of the mind like wait but wait a minute i am torn like it's confusing to me it is very very confusing it's like yeah it it, it, i don't like this movie could have just been about uh this killer who has maybe the split personality aspect of him, and like you, uh, that sort of like female-coded killer comes out whenever he feels the themes I mean, yeah, of, people... of of arousal. Okay, that's okay. That's 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 you have a you have psycho. That's psycho with the normal yeah. bitten mother, like. um... But also, this movie ex- like so transparently references like uh, like transgender people to a co- to a, like a comical extent like you have this scene where d- d- like you have Michael Caine like you don't know that he's the killer yet but you see him sitting in his office and like he turns on the tv and there's this talk show that talks about a transgender woman as she's explaining like, her experience in a very, like, detailed way. Or like, oh, yeah, this is what I am. In the movie, like, again, it it, it is honest about what a transgender person is. It the, the the definition is there. Yeah. The actual real-life definition is present in the movie. But then Michael Caine watched this, and it, it, you, you see him, like, being very, like, sort of pensive. And, like, wait, what are you implying? It, is the killer just someone with a split personality disorder? Where the killer is female and but he but himself isn't transgender, or are you actually implying that Bobby is the real identity? Like, what are you implying here? It's very confusing,
1: it is very confusing, and there's also this like you know, conversation towards the end of the film where, um, Liz and Kate's daughter, are talking right? About sort of the extent of like surgical. Procedures that one can get in order to reaffirm their gender, and there's like this line of dialogue of vaginoplasty for those in the known,
0: like, like, it, it, like the, it, that scene is hilarious. I really enjoyed, and
1: also the side right. like lady, <laughs>
0: really Okay, I really enjoyed the scene, and I think this is a big element why of like a lot of trans people do reclaim these. This movie that I've seen mm-hmm. is that like it, it is really funny. How this scene is sort of this, like, cis woman, like, explaining to this guy of, like, of what a transgender person is. Like, you know, very honestly, it's, 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 it is it is what it is. It's true. Yeah. It, it's not, it's not any bigoted misconception. It, it, it's there. It's in the text. Mm-hmm. And she is very, like, that, in this main character, played by Nancy Allen, who I love in this movie, by the way. Uh, she's
1: so nonchalant as well when she's talking about those things oh she's like, like
0: 80s like in the like again that scene is so progressive like it it like she's just casually throwing this out there I'm like okay and then like you cut to him uh the, um, the who's the son of the lady who gets killed
1: who also played arnie cunigan and christine i don't know if you've seen oh i haven't seen Carpenter.
0: christine i haven't seen christine uh that's cool to hear because i love them in this movie and i want to see him um he's very good in christine as well uh, like, and like you 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 cut first of all you cut to the lady like in the corner of the shot in true, true brian De palma fashion he loves like, splitting split. everything yeah. is split you have two dimensions to everything in each shot like everything is but like you have in one side you have the 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 lady in the background sort of side in conversation like what are they talking about what is this <laughs> thing like with it. And then you have uh, the kid, like very like conf- conf- being being like very oh okay yeah, and I love this scene because in almost a comedic fashion, it's almost portraying like it's almost like a superhero origin story. It's like oh, like wait a minute, like he he's the way he acts the scene. He's like hmm, interesting. It's almost like you can read. It, it's like maybe I am transgender. Very interesting. It's like, didn't you like oh, nah. <laughs> did you get no, that sense? Did you get that?
2: No, I got sense? this. It's I got so this
0: funny. Sense of,
1: and like, I got a sense of like a, a, a you know a young guy who's like considering who who is sort of you know on the outside and he's considering like to to what extent is he queer? I think right. It right. seems like right. Like playing with the concept, but I think I don't think he came to the realization of sort of that he is himself transgender or on the transgender spectrum but I think he sort of what's so nice about this scene to me is that like I think he's very queer coded as a character mm-hmm. and like he we mainly sort of see him interacting with his mother and with his stepfather who seems like a very sort of like Dis- loudly heterosexual guy and very like, distant ha-
0: in the story as well you can you barely yeah. see him
1: Exactly. And then you have, like, this conversation he has with this, like, woman he, he came to have, like, a, an emotionally and intimate relationship with on some level. And she served, and you can see that he's interested in queerness, and to have her be so matter-of-fact about those things, I think, gave him, like, the safe space to, like, consider what is his queerness and what is not. It's it's a very nice scene, and I, I do think he's a queer character. I don't think yeah, he's
0: trans. Yeah, yeah, I- yeah. Yeah, I am not reading into the fact that he's trans, but like I mm-hmm. found it funny that this extremely queer coded character, um like again, this is an erotic thriller. This is a movie where, um women are sexy and men want to have sex with these women. Like that it's an erotic thriller. And then you have the side character who becomes like integral to the plot because he wants to avenge the, the killing of his mother and just sort of like investigates it. With Liz, Nancy Allen's character. And um, he becomes very important. And like, this is kind of the only character, the only male character in this movie. And most of these movies in general that like mm-hmm. are not in any way sexually interested in liz like he is not oh, yeah. like and he's a teenager more or less like again and
1: liz liz uh, to quote the irish slang liz a total ride like she's...
0: complete oh my gosh, she's gorgeous and like again he's so disinterested yeah and like it, it is so you you get that feeling uh and like he's very like I wouldn't i don't i wouldn't I wouldn't say androgynous but he's very like um
1: I would even like I would go as far as headcanon him as an ace person uh,
0: that too I thought about that as well I thought about that as well and and like even his appearance he's very like
1: he feels very like a gender and asexual like in a way. He, again he feels yeah. very he feels deeply human but he just like, he feels very disinterested in sort of performance or engagement with anything that sort of has to do with gender and sexuality.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and, and, like, I, I I really like that character and that scene in specific where he's, like, very considerate. It's, like, he, he's, you don't, you, you can read a lot of things in what his reaction to... Mm. Um, <laughs> like nancy allen's character pretty much explaining what a transgender person is he's just like hmm okay interesting, hmm, interesting. i think i are gonna
1: stick with computers though. yeah yeah
0: like yeah you can read so much into that and i just found that funny um yeah no, and, and how uh, a movie that you can consider deeply problematic in its portrayal of what may be or not who knows a transgender woman like is so Openly, like matter of fact, and even considerate about the existence of trans people—it's very strange. Yeah. Um. And like makes this film a little bit more puzzling. But you we know, need take that aspect of it. Like this, the stylistic element of this movie is so up my alley. Like
2: it looks
1: so good. It's Brian De Palma.
0: I... Like visuals. Like when, when Brian De Palma, I'm. St- I'm getting to the realization that he's one of my favorite directors not in the sense that the movies that he makes are among my all-time favorites in the sense that I love his sensibilities as a director. Mm. Like I'm so into like his style and what and what he brings to the table when he comes when it comes to directing a script and directing a story. Like it's so stylistically distinct. Like again, you have the um, you have the, the the split diopter, and you even even split screen. Like he loves split yeah. screen. You have,
1: it and like at one point you have like essentially like a double split because you have the split screen, and like you see both Liz and Michael Kane like the reflection of them as they're watching the same program. Right. It's so like in general, like I think I, I sent you this. Like one of the reasons why I serve, why I think his style also works so well with um. Uh, with erotic thrillers is because like to me eroticism is essentially like this in a way it's 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 a process of double thinking be- or maybe not double thinking but double feeling because at the same time you are aware of how you are perceived and at the same time but you also are aware of perceiving mm-hmm. so like it's always it's always bi-directional it's always sort of like you see the person that sees you but you also are aware of like what they see if that makes sense like that that's mm-hmm. to me like very important for like erotic tension personally yeah. and so to have that sensibility serve sort of as part integral part of the aesthetic choice is this idea that like you have characters both seeing and being seen <sighs>
0: he, he's such a like playful director in in that sense like um and even beyond that just the way he directs the entire first portion of the movie where you follow angie dickinson's character through her day like barely any the... dialogue like in the museum when she's in the museum the museum
1: chase is such a good foreplay as well like you can actually feel the rem- the like sexual tension right, building
0: right right it's like um it's it's so perverse but so classy as well like you see it's so artistically articulated So artfully articulated, where it's, like, it's no dialogue, only, like, looks and, like, trading of looks, and you see her, like, chasing him in the museum, and you have classical musical playing classical score, and it's like this goes on forever yeah
1: and you also feel like even though there is no dialogue you you distinctly feel like the ups and downs of this like interaction and sort of the the, the drastic shifts in emotional like from from desire to playfulness to need to desperation to desolation like it's so well done
0: (laughs) that's a director capital D like this is a guy who like is able to tell so many aspects of a story just, just through images, like, just just through images and, 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 and sound in the atmosphere, like, I, I love the atmosphere that Brandon Palmer in general creates with his movies. It's, mm. it's also, like, it is very exaggerated, but it's never, it's rarely campy. It's just, it's very fever dream. I would compare his, my experience of watching his movies as a fever dream. Mm. It's very, <laughs> it's very, it's a bit dreamy, but also, like, there's this urgency to everything,
1: to me, I would—I mean, I've only seen *Dressed to Kill* and *Carrie*, so I have less of an informed opinion than you do. But those two films, I would describe them as operas because right. they feel very, over, like, exaggerated and very heightened. But they don't feel campy or ironic no, in any way. No. There's like there's an element of pathos, I think, but at the same time, it's not overbearing it's just it, it, it like pathos is used to sort of heighten the emotions
0: yeah yeah i, I think yeah. he's not paul verhoven you know like yeah. yeah 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 he yeah it's true like it, it, it you you don't feel that the heightened elements of it in any way are ironic or or satirical it's mm-hmm. it, it, like you all the, the 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 danger of the character's like, it's just up to the nth degree, but it's never, like, unrealistic. Like, you're there. Like, it, it, up until the, the death of of the uh, of the lady in the beginning, like, you are just on the edge. Like, what the hell is happening? There's barely any dialogue. There's only music. You can see, like, through her... Through her having aspects to her inner thoughts, like, that she has just she is very like sexually charged like she has so many sexual fantasies Mm -hmm. everywhere like in her dream the shower scene which i thought was very subversive because again you expect her to be killed having seen psycho but no it's all a, a sexual fantasy yeah and then all that leading up to the point where she finds out oh shit the sex that i'm having could be dangerous but that's not even the point she ends up getting killed when you least expect it yeah and and like all of that is articulated with barely any dialogue and yeah it's just masterful like I don't know what else to say like it's incredible direction and very like vivid atmosphere and um, and then when the film takes that turn it just becomes into something like extremely strange with the whole like transgender aspect but like I would like to stress that this movie is like to me like with the story he was trying to convey like impeccably directed and there are so many visual decisions that are just like mind-blowing and add so much to what the story is because i think this movie with the script being so like eyebrow raising mm-hmm. and questionable in many aspects like it could have been a terrible movie like can you imagine oh, yeah. like it could have been so cheap and like
1: I think that's this kind of film because nowadays mostly I think nowadays the directors that we think as distinctive directors are usually directors writers right so they write their own scripts and I think that's a completely different thing to like interpret something that you wrote yourself yeah but with dress to kill it's very evident of the power of a good director in elevating a script.
0: Yeah, I mean in this case Brian De Palma himself wrote the script. I just checked. Oh. <laughs> but but like but but, but but it's true like Brian De Palma is wasn't in, in for a lot of for a lot of years a, a a mainstream Hollywood director so he he did like adapt a lot of scripts that weren't yeah. his. Um and again he wrote this. you can kind of tell he wrote the script himself. Given the, the Hitchcock uh, Oh, yeah, the Hitchcock elements, yeah. Um, But, but, yeah, and you can tell that with Crimes of Passion as well, with Ken Russell, because he didn't write the script for that one. Um...
1: Let's talk about Crimes of Passion, because I... Like, at at the beginning, I was, like, a bit confused, but, like, after the 15 minutes, when I... Okay, I I understand how these... Because Crimes of Passion, to me, is essentially a story about a love triangle. And as you know, I love a well-executed love triangle. Oh,
0: interesting. A love... Okay, go on.
1: (laughs) And, like... At the beginning I was a bit confused because like essentially you have three characters and you introduce to these three characters but like in the first 10-15 minutes you don't know yet how these characters overlap, what's right. sort of what's the common link between them. So I was a bit confused about like, because also like um, with this episode you sort of, you just gave me the titles and I just sort of watched them. I didn't read anything about these films, I didn't mm-hmm. know anything about these films so like with each of them I went in completely blind. Uh. I only knew who the director is because on Criterion you have like the Criterion above uh, the director above the title. And then like when it started going I just, I couldn't take my eyes off it. Like I was beginning to worry I'll have no notes for our discussion because I was just so absorbed by the story and like even though I have a few notes when it comes to the the script I think certain elements I think it should be a bit longer. I think uh, especially sort of in the part where you have bobby sort of spying on uh, china blue and sort of becoming fascinating with china blue slash joanna i think there should be a little bit of more time of sort of like voyeurism and fascination before they sort of meet and have sex i think that would have mm-hmm. i think there was a missing element of sort of prolonged fascination there uh and also, by the end, selfishly, I would just... i i, I Especially Bobby and China Blue Slash Joanna, I just love their chemistry so much. I just wanted to have more scenes of them together. So I just... Yeah, yeah. It's just... I couldn't take my eyes away. And so towards the end, I just, like, I really... Like, I, I was, like, rooting for Bobby and Joanna to, like, no, like, please be together. Yeah. It, it was, like, almost... I reverted back to my, like, K-drama watching mindset of like i just want these two characters to just be together logic be damned and it was just it was but also like just so many choices were just so fascinating to me and the story was so absorbing and then like after i watched it i googled the film obviously had mixed reviews but like a lot of people said like that this film has no plot and i was like what
0: what did we
1: watch the same film like what the fuck
0: (laughs) right Uh, this is also my favorite of the three and i think like i i wasn't planning on initially like um uh selecting this one because i was like initially selecting like canonical elements Mm -hmm. by the way initially i planned jade and i haven't seen jade yet but i only selected jade because i saw that it was written by joe esterhaas who also wrote showgirls and basic instinct okay i'll check it out Um, but yeah, like, I'm so glad I just decided to watch this. I'm like, okay, I want to go watch them all, so I'm just going to watch this one. And I was blown away. Like, I was not expecting to like this this much. I just really wasn't. And I, I, it's interesting that you mentioned that sort of, like, fangirl part of you just, like, came out. For me as well. Like, I, when, with Dress to Kill and Body Heat, which I watched after, but, like, with those two movies it's it was
1: like a very cinema experience. yeah it, it was
0: like very i wasn't um in body heat more so but like it, with both those movies it was more of a a headier more like mm-hmm.
1: um intellectual intellectual sort of experience yeah. of like
0: oh i like this what this is doing i really like what this is doing blah 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 blah, blah. Mm-hmm. but with 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 crimes of passion you do have that element because there's a lot of interesting directorial decisions but also, you're so... Like, I like I was just feeling so invested and rooting for the main couple. And, like, and just, like, so... I think this movie would be so big on Tumblr. I, I, I just... Oh, I, for sure. I, for sure. And, okay, and, like, a thing that sets this movie apart from the other two that we saw is the style of dialogue. And mm-hmm. because... It is very theatrical and very snappy and quirky. There's a lot, like... It's not the most naturalistic dialogue. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But it also, like, it works for the convention because you don't have... It it doesn't really attempt naturalism. It's very much... Like, again, it's also like the film itself plays so much with the idea of performance and performing gender and what it means to sort of like be a female and what it means to perform femininity what it means to perform masculinity like mm-hmm. so it also works that the the dialogue is so theatrical yeah, in a sense yeah, like yeah. It, it's very quippy like you said it's,
0: yeah it's very quippy and quirk, like the, the 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 each each sentence there's like you can isolate so many sentences for this movie and be like wait this is a has a lot of like literary depth to what they're saying Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily like how real people would talk but like i found it really interesting when bobby the 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 male um the the male uh protagonist of the movie is when he is in um his uh with his wife and his kids and sort of like a domestic um life his domestic life is very naturalistic like the discussions Mm -hmm. that he has with his wife just you know feel very real feel very grounded but when we go to china blue slash joanna's world played again by kathleen turner amazing the link link to to body heat like that uh, like her china blue being essentially like almost like a drag persona like uh Mm -hmm. uh uh this um her persona of her moonlighting as a sex worker and she just crafts this whole, like, almost, like, vocabulary. around Like, not just to, to her words, but also the way she, like, acts and dresses. Yeah. It, like, she... Um... And also,
1: as China Blue, she has many sub-personas that she performs as part of her sex work. So, like, right. with one client, she'll pretend to be a rape victim. With another client, she'll pretend to be a stewardess. Like, she plays into so many people's individual fantasies while also being a fantasy, in a way. Like it's,
0: it's it's <sighs> also yeah. one of,
1: speaking of like, um, drag esque elements of like China Blue as a performance, one of my favorite lines uh, of the dialogue is like from the beginning of the film where she sort of interacts with the reverend for the first time and she says, "I never forget a face, especially when I sit on it." I,
0: that's the type of lines that like that, of this movie. It's it's I can see it very, being very quotable, but it's it's it it, it like that's the type of like line that is example it, it, it exemplifies like the dialogue in this movie it's just like so witty yeah um, but at the
1: same time you have like so many like so genuinely emotional dialogue there as well like when you think for example about uh, Bobby's confrontation with his wife and sort of like if he says something like you should have been honest with me instead of humoring me, like which like again, like with that confrontation you learned so much about Bobby and you learned so much about his motivations and his like personal relations. And also when he and Joanna sort of accept that they might have feelings for each other, there's like he says something like, you know, we can do these things to each other again, but it's about doing them for each other rather than to each other. That's like
0: Right. <laughs> It's, it's a, again, like, I am, like, um, fascinated by this script. And, um, like, I, I I went to, to look up the, the screenwriter. It's not Ken Russell. Uh, mm. It is this guy Barry Sandler. I didn't know who he was. Um, he is, a, like, he is um, primarily, a, yeah, he's a screenwriter. And I don't think he ever directed anything that I see on his Wikipedia page. But In like new
1: relation to he is a,
0: Adam Sandler? No no no. Uh, he is a he's like one of the major one of, a major um, Hollywood screenwriter to come out as gay. and like I was just like just the way he writes this script I feel like it's very ahead of his time like this type of oh, like yeah, for sure. Quippy dialogue. That's like I, I'm surprised that this movie isn't more popular now. like this isn't more reclaimed now. Um, Maybe
1: thanks to Criterion or, you know, it could be, but yeah, it's I, it's so good, and it also invites, like, immediately after I finished watching it, I, I wanted to rewatch it again. First of all, because, like, how emotion vested I was in the film, which unfortunately doesn't happen that often with a film, like, I think films, in, in general, sort of, content media it's a lot easier to be engaged intellectually than it is to be engaged emotionally yeah
0: yeah especially when it comes to something on the criterion channel when you're just like you you're you're expecting to have a more like headier intellectual experience but this is this is all in one package
1: exactly and but so like there's this emotional element but also like you said like there's just so many interesting Choices on the level of directing, on the level of screenwriting, on the level of sort of character arcs. And also, I just, I love the usage of art and sort of, the, it's just such a rich film. It right. just invites you to rewatch it and again and again. And I want
0: to rewatch it so many times. And like, you, 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 um, you have the script, which in itself is very dense. You, co- you have a lot of like, uh, theatrical, quippy dialogue, but such as jokes for the sake of jokes. They tell a lot about the characters. Um, and I think also, emotional uh, uh, state. He,
1: there there are elements of what I would consider like succession style of exposition, meaning that there is a lot of very important information information about China Blue being revealed as sort of add on. Ad hoc comments, so it's like very similar to how in succession sort of the extent of Logan's abuse, it's usually just like there's a line of li- line of dialogue there, there's a line of dialogue there, but there's like no big flashback, there's no like monologue about like the experience. It's rather, it's just flashes of information.
0: Yeah, again, and when it, it, it it's it's a it's a script that it's like it has it's very worthy, but again, it's also very. um, what it reveals about the characters, it's not just in the words. When you think about a very dialogue-heavy film, you think about, okay, so this, all of the characters, uh, all you know about the characters is through the dialogue, but not just that. Like, you have that scene in the beginning where you see, um, like, uh, Joanna slash China Blue, like, returning to her, her apartment, and, and, and being chased, right? And then in, in the moment, you're like, oh shit, okay. But then... I in... was like,
1: oh no, not, not her getting raped so right, early right, in the film. Right.
0: And then you realize, like, it is it's just... It, it, it doesn't tell you, but you realize that's like, oh, it's all a fantasy. It's all... It's like something that she's doing for a client. And, and like, that tells so much already about the character. That's not, not yeah. just a, a subversive act that she is doing, um that the character is is doing into what, what you may expect from a character in one of these movies but also it's like reveals so much about who she is when she is china blue and not just mm-hmm. and not just joanna who is a hard-working sort of like more um professional career woman type
1: and also especially with sort of joanna and china blue i just love the usage of costuming to serve like Tell so much to the audience about Serve because when she is Joanna, she's like this, like Any whole feminist archetype, ar- archetype. Sorry, I am like be going to be like feeling a bit hungry and I'm losing my ability to speak coherently. I'm sorry. Like, and she's also like described in, in, in the scene where Serve, um, Bobby is commissioned to sort of spy on her for possibly being a corporate, uh, a corporate, um, by herself, like she's described as a man hater, and you know, that she, yeah, yeah, and like, and is isn't because, like, the whole thing about Joanna is that she doesn't feel safe being herself, who is also a woman, so instead of being a genuine version of herself, she plays into different stereotypes of womanhood. That's like, that's the crux of her, um, of her, um, character, at least to me, but I think with joanna it's like so much is told just like how she dresses when she's trying to look how she dresses when she's joanna like
0: yeah <sighs> it's so good i know i know and it's like uh, uh it's it's also so interesting how she is seen first of all that she is seen as a as a corporate spy that she is a woman and she's so devoted to her job as any like yeah. a ruthless businessman would or whatever and then so that to the point where she where the where the guys hire a spy Bob, ends up being bobby that's funny but also yeah. like it's also incredibly interesting when bobby goes to spine her and, when, and he truly becomes like fascinated by her and enamored by her it's like she is china blue where she is essentially like a projection of so many male fantasies mm-hmm. um and she's—it's so layered because she, as China Blue, she is a projection of so many real fantasies. But she is dominant and she is assertive. It's like, it's a such a progressive script. Like it is and she, incredible.
1: And she also like herself says that the only way she can feel turned on and horny is when she's China Blue because there that that's where she feels safest. Yeah. when She's playing into those fantasies. That's where she has the power because she's directing those fantasies, and like, it's sort of... That's why, sort of, them then having sort of, sex at her apartment is so crucial because she's sort of, you know, she's allowing herself to give up the power, but at the same time, trying to find safety and sort of mutual, you know, what's the word? Like a mutual giving up of power, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Like a sort of equilibrium to the, 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 the relationship. Yeah. And and like yeah, this movie is is so so fascinating. I love the character of Bobby as well. I I really mm-hmm. do. Like oh, you talk about It like was a- so
1: with Bobby as well. I just want to say it but like a lesser actor would turn him into a caricature or stereotype, but he he toys the line between a stereotypical jog and like almost also a himbo at times and just like a genuinely nice guy who just like wants to feel connected and loved and respected and share that love he's he's just such a good
0: character yeah in and, <laughs> and, and, and like he um again like former high school uh football player rack. like you know very traditionally handsome but also like there's this everyman quality to him he's not just a a, a Hollywood hunk he's yeah. not uh like um Just, you know, like we're talking like a Crimson Hemsworth Hemsworth type. He feels Mm -hmm. like any type of guy. Yes, very attractive and, and, you know, very built. But like any guy you would find anywhere in any type of job or walk of life. And he makes him him so relatable, but also makes him just... um, There's a lot of dimensions to him when he is almost like he's so disconnected in his domestic life. And the relationship... With his wife, is not really working out. There's clearly a disconnect, but there's but there's also, love, but there's also the disconnect. And so uh, yeah,
1: what I wanted to say, it's also like fascinating at the subversion of certain sort of mar- martial issues because like he's the party that is you know trying to mm-hmm. keep this marriage alive. He's the one you know. Who who's interested in still interested in his wife was like putting in the work to like make their family unit as functional as possible and also to express desire for his for his wife and it's like and he you know he starts his relationship with Joanna not because like oh you know my wife is not attractive to me anymore I'm bored no it's like because he feels because the coldness of his relationship with his wife and like the level of lack of understanding and lack of also of willingness to try and understand the other person is just too much for him to bear, which is also such a nice subversion. And um, and I, what I also wanted to say is that, I, you know, I I loved the the dialogue between him and his wife when they're in the bed. And mm-hmm. she served. I love that scene. And it's so good because like, you can tell that Bobby just wanted essentially like the 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 whole point of the scene is that like he finally confronts her is like what's wrong what's what's wrong like why don't you talk to me why won't you just be honest with me and it's a it also plays around with their sex life because like it is revealed that she has been pretending to enjoy having sex with him and he's wounded because not because like oh i'm not man enough to give you pleasure he's wounded because he wasn't she didn't feel like she should have been honest about her pleasure with him because like like it's it's so good when he tells her like what i wanted is for us as two people who love each other to enjoy this act together and to put in the work to make it enjoyable for both of us and you were saying that it was enough for for you that i enjoyed myself it's like and that's to him deeply hurtful and ah, so good.
0: Such a good script, and like I in in a in a way it does make sense that the screenwriting himself is is queer. This because this is a movie about straight people, but it's also like a, a it has it reveals a sort of like um, awareness and layers into uh, relationships in general. In this case, strictly straight relationships and straight marriages, traditional marriages. In the case of Bobby and his wife, that's like that that you wouldn't find anywhere. You wouldn't find. A, everywhere I might say Mm -hmm. um you wouldn't find everywhere in in this era of of Hollywood and like I I do think that it 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 adds to it it's such a it's such a a good progressive script that has so many layers to it and um like and it's not just the characters and the performances that feel so that, that are so captivating like um again Kathleen I think the link uh uh, the link to Body Heat I, I went with Body Heat when making this election because it's, it's like one of the, the biggest successes of the genre, mainstream successes of the genre, but also like the Kathleen Turner connection, so she's here and she's playing a, a completely different type of, of, of role um, much more comedic, but also in a way like very modern as well, like a very like contemporary type of female role and and, mm-hmm. and uh, her and uh, body heat isn't it's more of a classical archetype um and and also but also I wanted to mention like the directorial aspect of, of this movie that's it is it's not uh, a, writ, a a writer director type of alter project it's ken russell and I don't know a lot about ken russell yet I've only seen two of his movies but the two movies that I've seen, I've given five stars on Letterboxd to which,
1: and also we have to remind people of the Pedro scale, so it's oh right. nothing, heart, or five stars.
0: Yeah, right. right. So when I say five stars, <laughs> I'm not automatically like saying that it's one of my favorite movies of all time, and it's like an exclusive like club. It used to be, mm-hmm. now I need not anymore. It's just a movie that I really would recommend to everyone. Mm-hmm. I think it's coded as five stars, movie that I would recommend to everyone, heart. I really liked it, and I would recommend it, depending on the type of person. And, like, no heart, I wasn't into it. Um, But, yeah, like, um, the other movie is The Devils. And that's a movie he wrote. Um, The Devils is this absolutely bananas, insane, deranged movie about... um, I'll just read the Wikipedia description. A dramatized historical account of, of the fall of Urban Grandier, a 17th century Roman Catholic priest accused of witchcraft after the possessions in Loudon, France. The, and the plot also focuses on Sister Jeanne d'Ange, a sexually repressed nun who incites the accusations. This movie is fucking insane. Like this is one of the most sexually and violent movies i've ever seen like sexual sexually explicit and like Mm -hmm. violent movies i've ever seen but it's also one of the funniest movies i've ever seen like this the the sense of humor in this movie it's so outrageous like you just you're not even just laughing you're just gasping that they said something so ridiculous and like it's about this like watch it
1: the devils
0: yeah 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 and like the way he just like satirizes like so many elements of catholicism it's like y- you have this like very uh, righteous um uh priest who's like an attractive priest and the man of the people you know in this mm-hmm. like in, in in 17th century town in france but then you have these nuns around him who are like the horniest people you've ever seen on film <laughs> like they are like rabid for him all for him and like the dialogues that they have about like wanting to break out of the nun costume and just like being so the habit yeah yeah the habit um and just like wanting to fuck him it's just like it's hysterical uh but also like they're all deemed witches and he's like so manipulative because he knows what he is but also like he's so quick to um Condemned these Jezebels for having sexual desires. It. It's great. It's such a great movie, and like I was like, um, that was the first movie I've seen um, of of Ken Russell of the British director. But like I, this is not a movie that he wrote, and I and like I even in the dialogue I would say like the type of dialogue it is very quippy and very quirky, which is also present in The Devils, but also. Realizing that he didn't write um, Crimes of Passion made me focus more on his directorial style, which I wasn't very familiar with because I've only seen The Devils. And in this completely different environment, um, I can see things I really enjoy as well because he's very, like, um, American Gathers, like a very, like, extravagant style, like a lot of... um, Like, again, you were mentioning the references to art. I totally... I don't... I'm convinced that's totally Ken Russell thing. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, she's talking about... She's having sex. And all of a sudden, you see, like, edited in. You see paintings. And you see, like, sketches.
1: Not just, like, any paintings, but essentially you have Japanese erotic art a lot of the time. And what's also... Because, like, uh, there's a lot of Japanese erotic art from the Edo period. But you also have a lot of, sort of... uh, Late Romanticism and sort of um, modernist paintings as well. So, for example, you have the Kiss by the Clem, uh, by Gustav Klimt. Uh, mm-hmm. You also have—I don't remember who's the painter, but. You, it's, it's a very famous painting, I think it's called The Kiss as well, where you have the two people and serve with cloth bags on their heads, but they're kissing. And you also have uh, a pre-Raphaelite uh, Ophelia painting. Again, I don't remember exactly who the painter is, but it's like the very famous one, which is like mm-hmm. sort of lying in the water and dying. So, like very good. Yeah, him very being,
0: good. from what I can gather, like he's a very um used to be a photographer so like you can tell that these movies are going to look amazing um but also like very schizophrenic in the in the sense of like you know there's all sorts of references and all sorts of um uh what 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 am i saying like there's a lot going on in each scene in this movie there's just a lot you have the dialogue that it's fast and quippy but but and and you have that element, but also the lighting is just very atmospheric, very moody, uh, and so telling of each environment. Like each environment in the movie feels mm. so vivid, like China Blue's bedroom, um, the like the the domestic life of Bobby. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I ju- I can just picture those those environments very clearly in my head, mm-hmm. and like from what I can tell and this is not me as an expert, this is just my um, my impressions of him, like, very mindful of the mise-en-scene, like, everything in the shot is very detailed and very, like, um, ornate, while not feeling too... Not like Kubrick, in the sense that he has those elements, but he's very like rigid. It's, it, feel-
1: it it doesn't also feel like gimmicky, in the sense no. that like, oh look, looks, look at what I can do with light in right, this shot, right. you know?
0: Because it's very impressive, and that in The Devils as well. Like, the characters are the true fuel, and like what the characters say and the dialogue is the true fuel and the true essence of the 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 the, the characters mm-hmm. and the actors, like really like are make it their own but also so it feels loose in that way but also there's this element of like everything in this shot like really has a deep meaning to it and like there's a lot going on so it's very stimulating in that sense and i yeah. and I really like that as well about the direction of cremes of passion which ended up being my favorite of the three
1: and i also really like like even when you have like moments in the film which are very sort of like silly like even like because there is a scene where there's like a family barbecue at bobby's house with his family and family friends and like at one point sir he finds out like he he has this like very like um in many levels like as a dad he has like my dad energy like Mm -hmm. he will he will be the entertainer at the family events he will do the most outrageous things just for a laugh because you know he can and so Bobby has like supposedly this like magic trick routine that he likes to do to entertain people at family gatherings, but and his wife doesn't like the uh, this routine. But she doesn't tell him that directly. But she only tells it to someone else, and he overhears. And so, if, and so he decides to do this like very offensive, not offensive in the sense that like it's like you know morally reprehensible. But like he dresses up as a human penis, and he has like this joke about like the penis getting erect and then ejaculating which is very crude it's very crass and i I think if i understand correctly he like it's something that he like a performance he used to do in high school like which makes sense like a very high school boy crude performance and this scene is the catalyst for finally their confrontation about sort of the dishonesty and sort of coldness in their marriage right and even sort of like moments which on the outside feel very like, oh, this is just like, you know, racy for the sake of being racy. No, it is very thoughtful and meaningful and works within the story. And I also love how, um, again, going back to the dialogue, because like, I do agree that sort of, you know, the emotions is what it's driving the story. There's also just so much care giving to each line of dialogue. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, that's also what sucks you in. Because, like, there's so much information, so little, like, you know, such short lines of dialogue. Like, you know, the fact that, like, uh, when, sort of, Bobby goes to Joanna's flat and sort of reveals, like, you know, he knows her her real identity. And she's like, oh, Bobby, aren't you, like, 30? Shouldn't you grow up? And it's like, and yeah, they both are sort of stuck in these, like, juvenile fantasies because they're afraid of, sort of, like adult level of emotional maturity of connecting with someone right it's like yeah so good yeah yeah.
0: and um we haven't even like talked a lot about the priest character here
1: can i tell you my theory why i think this is a story about a love triangle right yeah so as i think i've told you or maybe even on this podcast before like to me a love triangle doesn't necessarily have to be like a Perfect triangle, meaning that like each person in the triangle is interested in someone else in the triangle. It could be sort of like, um, you know, a, a hat essentially, where you have two people interested in the same person. But the thing is that they have to be interested in the same person for different reasons. That's like what I think is the key element of making such a type of a, a, a love triangle work. And here is a sort of a perfect example of that because Bobby is very much interested in sort of the person Joanna is afraid to be. Mm-hmm. Even though it it is scary for for him as well, because that also being with Joanna means sort of foregoing his idea of masculinity that he grown used to and sort of like foregoing the stereotypical idea of what adulthood and adult masculinity is as well. So like it's scary for both of them, but sort of I do think that Bobby's genuinely interested in Joanna as a Mm -hmm. person, the person who she herself is afraid to be whereas the priest character is fascinated and obsessed with the performance first of all because it also plays into his fantasy i think but also because like to, to me the priest is a person who's like the tragedy of his character comes from that he is he knows who he is he doesn't want to be the person who that he is so he performs someone else but he's unsuccessful in his performance and i think his fascination and interest in uh, China Blue slash Joanna is because she is, to his eyes at least, perfectly successful in her performance, Mm -hmm. even though it's not genuine in a sense, right? And so I think his obsession with Joanna is partly because he wants to achieve what she has in his eyes achieved. And then, and that's why sort of in the final shot, he dresses up as her and she kills him because, like, in in some way, it's a victory for him because he was able to achieve the the perfect performance of the person right. he wanted to be instead of the person that he was.
0: Right. Um, That's my theory. Yeah. No. That makes that makes total sense. I thought that character was super interesting and like the, like both men in in um, uh, Joanna slash China's life. And I love like each interaction. Like you know um, you are introduced like you said like very separately to each of them mm-hmm. but then when it comes together you, you have like the bobby joanna dynamic and then the joanna priest dynamic very almost like separate parts separate scenes like almost going back and forth and mm-hmm. I, I think each dynamic is so interesting and like the scene especially the scenes between um the priest and uh, Joanna are just like I, they're so th- they're the, the most theatrical ones. They are the most like outrageous, ridiculous ones. But they were. I mean, he
1: has a like a metal dildo that he was planning right, to s- right. stop Joanna with. I mean, it's like, it's, doesn't it's like get more melodramatic than this.
0: It's it's so like uh, it, it it it's like the the more kinky, the kinkier parts of the of the movie are in that that sort of relationship as opposed to like the, the the more emotional sentimental earnest parts that were are with Bobby um, and the way that all that coalesces in the 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 ending and what it means for the for for who Joanna who's very split and very in the moment of crisis like who mm-hmm. decides to end up going with like um, and her faith with the relationship with Bobby it's like you know you want to see them together but like it is a, a, a like a a concrete ending, in the sense that like they are come to they come to terms with certain aspects of themselves that they were sort of ashamed by in a way. Yeah. And um, and like having the priest as like this sort of villainous character ended up being who wants to pray on Joanna's like sort of almost obsessively praying on her performative side and doesn't want to see her as a person, just as like a yeah. Yeah, I thought that was so very ingenious, and um, they yeah, made so it for they're... a very fun scenes as well
1: true i mean to the like he prays in her per, per, perf, he prays her performativity to the point where he sort of projects his own self-hatred onto her like it's, it's it, you know the more in the film i mean it's so complex but yeah she she's anything but a person to him in many ways mm-hmm. and also i love sort of the, the final scene where you have this like this short monologue by Bobby, where it's like you know it's so yeah. deep and emotional, and they say like you know we are. We don't know where it's gonna go, but like we are willing to chance it. We are willing to sort like, right. you know, be there for each other and like see this through and of see each other as people. And other than it's like, but we also you know sex together and it's fun and it's like yes exactly you yeah. can be both deeply emotional movie but you can also be fun yeah. exactly
0: yeah exactly and it's like i love how that goes back to the beginning where bobby's just like in the beginning yeah. uh and that turf like group therapy session where he's just like nah everything's fine you know like yeah. my, i have a wife i have a job cool yeah awesome. have kids. great yeah. and then china just comes in and like completely like turns his life upside down and like the way he mm. at the ending like realizes is and it sort of is um, the parts of himself that were, like, sort of buried deep within, like, his desires. But also, like, an emotional, like, physical desire. There yeah. was an emotional desire that he was not yeah, fulfilling. Like and, yeah, it's great. Also,
1: this, like, desire for honesty. Because, like, yeah. with his wife, yeah. it's like, you know, they were together in high school. And then they sort of did the thing that everybody else did. Yeah. Like, you, you have the film clearly established that all of their friends got married after like all of their high school friends are still together it's like it's the same like it's, it's it's this bubble of world as opposed to like which is inherently dishonest at least within this film and sort of like Bobby's arc is essentially accepting that like if he wants honesty he has to leave that bubble and has to sort of like allow himself to be bruised and rejected and for things not to work out but like that's part of honesty is also mm-hmm. like seeing the fragility of yourself and the world and everything
0: yeah yeah <sighs> it's, so it's like being you know using again again this is an erotic thriller and like do you, you, for a lot of this, it's very unlike the other ones where it's much more comedic and lighthearted. but then it also like towards the ending like you have the priest as this villainous character which mm. brings the, the 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 titular thrills and but also like i love how this movie also centers sex as like, as a vehicle for honesty. Like the, oh it, yeah, like it, the, the entirety of the movie is you know like it's about farce. Like it's about the characters who are, you know, in situations who are that are just like shunning honesty in their lives, and and um, not being honest with themselves. And by the ending, it's just like it 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 it, it sex becomes. Like it, 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 the relationship between um Joanna and Bobby doesn't end up being like their physical desires are not an element of interference or an element of like shame or an element of farce in that relationship. Are not, it's not the enemy, it's like something that you have to embrace, yeah, that that, that they embrace and as as a vehicle through their for their for their relationship to eventually work and i thought that was great um i uh just to just to, to close off just like to just a thought like um how, with ken russell's the film being the devils meaning like a set, set uh, uh, a satire of um catholicism in france in the, the 17th century and, like, mm-hmm. how violent it was and how violent the repression was. I found it really interesting that he embraced the project where, with a, a, a the, the priest being a very perverted character. Mm. So that, I find that interesting. Also, do you realize who the actor is who's playing the priest? Because we haven't mentioned that.
1: No? Who is It's
0: this? Anthony Perkins who plays Norman Bates.
1: Oh, my God! Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I... I... Didn't recognize in him psycho, at obviously. all.
0: Uh, and um, I I when I was watching that, I was right. I have to pair this with *Dress to Kill*. And I like,
1: mean, oh my god, you have impressed me so much now with this lineup. It's so intricate and cohesive. It's so
0: good.
1: Good job, Pedro. Yay, job.
0: my programming skills. Yay. Um, and uh, like, yeah. He, but also I love how that plays into the. The ending—it's almost like meta in the way that he ends up um, in China Blues' costume. In China Blues' in his costume, mm-hmm. um, how he is—he ends up he, he, when he goes to kill. When you think he's going to kill, he is in uh, Joanna's co- China Blues' costume. So that was like really meta, mm-hmm. um, and how that and obviously dress to kill if you disregard or like sort of like try to unproblematize the problematic elements it's also about a movie in which to kill you become someone else and you perform as someone else uh so i just made up so i thought that made up for a cool lineup
2: yeah
1: no it's it's so good i do um sort ter- of. As we're as re- wrapping up, um, uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to go to Edinburgh, so I wasn't able to give you the plushies yet, but...
0: Right! Oh my <laughs> god, right, true, true. Um, thank you so much. Agnieszka. Right, thank you for pronouncing the name for me, Agnieszka. Thank you so much for uh, the plushies. I thought they were lovely and I can't wait to receive my Luchador plushy when i do get to see marcy again thank you so much they look awesome
1: Yay! i think that's all i think yeah unless you have something else to say
0: not really i think
1: yeah 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 so think go watch crimes of fashion mm-hmm.
0: um also the, the the erotic thriller thing is on criterion up until the ending of the month of april so if you have time free trial or you know just ask for my account if you're listening to this <laughs> And I can give it to you, and you can watch some of the movies that might interest you because it's a really cool, interesting genre.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, that is all for today. And yeah, next episode will continue the erotic thread, but I'm okay. 99% sure it's going to be way less enjoyable.
0: <laughs> yeah, too many enjoyable movies, you need to suffer. No.
1: I mean, I'm s- are you calling Date with Misfortune an enjoyable film? <laughs>
0: oh my oh right that's right i was thinking about specifically this and how much of a like how much fun i had like oh, exploring yeah. this section but also like oh yeah I know yeah it's true yeah oh yeah it we watched the movies the last episode <laughs> wasn't just a fun hangout with Raquel. we actually watched no no, no, no.
2: We,
1: we actually watched movies <laughs> uh, and, and we didn't talk about. yeah one very very bad movie but yeah that is all at uh, what song will you put at the end
0: mm, i'm thinking of the maybe the um classical score for dress to kill because i think it sounds really cool or body heat all of these moves are pretty cool yeah, scores
2: yeah good music yeah. yeah all right anyway okay bye